Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Sean Goodwin of the Kansas City Star. He covers Sporting Kansas City and the new Kansas City women's soccer team. We'll get his perspective on that and look ahead to the start of the MLS season, which is already here. So we'll break it all down when Sean joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have... Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week as well at the end of today's show. He is back after a few weeks off. Tom Bridges has made his triumphant return. Tom, how are we doing? Uh, better. Last week, uh, the second dose of Pfizer for COVID about did me in. Uh, made it through completely with no COVID. The whole this whole time we got the second dose and it hammered me. So if it's anything like what my COVID experience could have been, I'm glad it was one day sacrifice instead of potentially two weeks. Because uh, it was not fun. It was not fun. Um, but I am alive and somewhat well. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I- I'm. My second dose was better for me than the first one was, and I didn't think either one of them were that bad. But glad you're okay. Glad you don't have any blood clots or anything. I mean, no uh, Johnson and Johnson on my end. Right, and and, and here's the thing, folks. Uh, I've said this on TV already, but I'll say it here too. Um, when it comes to these vaccines, if you're trying to debate whether you should get the the vax or not, and you're looking at the Johnson and Johnson thing. Look, it was 6.8 million shots administered. And out of those, six people had blood, blood clots. You got a better chance of getting struck by lightning than you do getting a blood clot from a vaccine. I mean, come on, people. Get vaccinated. Uh, do your part. Don't worry about that. Um, you know, if you don't get the vaccine at this point, Tom, you're pretty much just saying, I'm going to get COVID. That's what you're accepting. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's free. It's easy to set up an appointment. Anybody can pretty much get it now. Right. So I mean, don't be afraid of the vaccine. And, you know, I, I was I was very pissed off at the way the government shut down the Johnson & Johnson vaccine after just six people, uh, you know, having those blood clot issues. I mean, like, all that does is put us in a situation where we are – more susceptible to doubting the vaccine and puts more people at risk not getting the vaccine gives them reason to not get it um you know to me that was more damage it should just kept on going with it and uh and said you know hey we're going to continue to research along the way but they don't let me make those big decisions but anyways enough of that jones i did i did see a funny tweet regarding the johnson and johnson uh, vaccine, and it says, "Which one of the Johnsons do we think fucked up?" <laughs> was it both of them? Well, could it not be both of them? Uh, remember that uh, that Twitter hashtag? Uh, blame JJ for Jimmy Johnson. I think we blame Jimmy Johnson. Is it going blaming Jimmy? Yeah, the NASCAR Damn driver, not the football coach. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Would it, would it be what if it was both uh, just Johnson and Johnson, both Jimmy's? Right. <laughs> oh gosh, Tom, I don't know if you've heard now, but uh, I'm verified on Twitter now. I, I feel pretty good about that. 
got the blue check mark now. I have joined the blue check mark brigade, the evil empire. I now have access to see notifications from just verified accounts. I don't have to worry about you internet peasants anymore and read anything that you guys send me and such. I'm just going to ignore it now. Uh, Jones, I wonder if Montel Jordan will come on the show now. Uh, Montel Jordan, do you, do you mean uh, oh uh, Montel Williams? Oh, maybe it was Montel Williams. Oh, yeah, maybe so. Maybe sees, the, sees the blue check mark, figures out it's legit now. Right? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe we'll get Montel on, but and now maybe a representative I, from Miracle Whip. Uh, exactly. Now I'm just on another level compared to the rest of you. I mean, like this did nothing but help my ego of getting this this blue check mark that that you don't have, Thomas, and probably most people listening don't have right now. How, how I, does that? See, I, I was gonna get verified. I'm gonna get verified on my other account. <laughs> Is that it? Are you? Yeah, my my OnlyFans has a lot. Of <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Only verified. Only so we'll call it. Maybe we'll just move the podcast to OnlyFans. I mean, I see some of these people get the paycheck off of off of their nudes. I mean, we're not going to take any nudes, but I mean, for the right amount of money, I might send you one. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, let's just do the same exact show we're doing now, but moving to OnlyFans and see who's going to pay us for it. How much will we charge? Uh, will we charge per episode or just per month? I think maybe even both. Give you a better deal if you just subscribe monthly. <laughs> I mean, fuck uh, Patreon. We'll just go to OnlyFans. Exactly. There's already podcasts actually doing that already, believe it or not. I need some live. We need some live video. <laughs> Tom Cam. Jesus, I don't know. I don't even want to know what could have been on the Tom Cam back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> with, with all that being said, uh, obviously I was uh, being a little facetious. Yes, I, I will still reply to the folks out there and see what you all have to say. I'm a man of the people. Um, you know, be, being a part of the wild west of Twitter for over a decade, and now I've moved on to the the evil empire. It, it's almost like I've betrayed my own people now, Tom. You might, you may have. <laughs> oh gosh, oh too funny. So. Uh, so folks, please follow me, uh, on the, uh, on the Twitter at Tyler Jones live on my verified account. That is really me. That's the other part of this. Now, Tom, if there was ever any doubt, we know for a fact that is my Twitter account. It's not anyone else's. Uh, there, there, are, there is no imposter. I, I am the one on that account. People now know that. You are the uh, officially official. Yes. Yes. I am the Tyler Jones uh, that lives in Omaha, that's never lived in Coweta, Oklahoma. That's me. So, <laughs> uh, now, now it's Omaha. No more Coweta for you. Uh, yeah, I've never lived in Coweta. Never will. So, 
Never yeah. will? No, no. <laughs> That's an inside joke for uh, folks out there. Anyways, uh, but we'll move on. Tom, we're, we're at this weird point in the year. This is always a, an interesting intersection for us when it, it feels like, in a sense, uh, that we, we've come to an inroads of sorts, that there's no college football, no college basketball. Uh, you know, we're a week, you know, the Masters just finished up. This is always a confusing time for me. But I was thinking to myself, though, Tom, that it sure the hell beats this time last year when we were searching for content for about three months and just trying to pull stuff out of our ass and such. So, well, I do miss the college sports scene. And granted, you know, college baseball is fine, but it's not what the other sports are. This is always just a, a time that I do feel a lack of some sorts. But I, I remind myself it very well could be worse. It very well could be. We could, uh, you know, we could be back in the COVID times and we would, you know, have nothing to talk about. We wouldn't even be able to talk about Johnson & Johnson last year. That's true. I mean, I mean, I mean, we are in a weird time because it's like, I mean, how far away is the NFL draft? You can only talk about the NFL draft for so long. Right. I mean, the the projection of what somebody is going to draft only for them to pull an Al Davis and draft somebody that should be in like the third round. I mean, we can talk mock drafts all day. Um, so, I mean, it. However, it works, uh, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, we can we can only get so in depth before you know. You almost don't even want to get too in depth because then, you know, comes back and it ends up being wrong. Um, you right. know, it's, it's all speculation. You can only speculate for so long before it's like, okay, give it up. I know you though. Don't you like speculating though? It depends on what it is on the NFL draft. I care less. I'll leave that to Todd McShack <laughs> and Mel Kuyper. <laughs> what do you like to speculate on? Mm, it, that's a good question. It just depends. It's, a, it's kind of spur of the moment speculation, honestly. <laughs> it could be on anything, but it's my first pick's not going to be in the draft. <laughs> uh, it's. Uh... It, it would be your speculation would be why did Tyler Jones get verified before OJ Simpson and Mike Point? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I mean, I don't know how you got verified before Boyd. <laughs> Do you know how I got verified before OJ though? They won't. They won't verify OJ. <laughs> they don't want to give him that power. <laughs> uh, he's killed two more people than I have. Is that two more? Is that two total? Does OJ killed two? Just two? Uh, that we know of, anyway. Yeah, there, there we go. We don't know that you've killed anybody, but it's still we can't we can't give that a blue check mark who knows i don't know right. what you're doing no more now, now mike boynton's only you know i like the guy but he only has one more ncaa tournament win than me that is true <laughs> that is true <laughs> now that one we say just i'm a big mike boynton fan he's doing something special there at oklahoma state um with, with speaking that, of he's gonna get bryce thompson 
who you're a big fan of. Bryce, why are you leaving KU, man? Dude. Dude. Oh. He's coming home. Coming home to or to ORU. Maybe he'll go to maybe he'll coach at Kuwaita High School. <laughs> maybe that's why he's leaving KU. That's a hell of a job, that Kuwaita head basketball coach. <laughs> well, that actually brings up what, what I did want to open up the show with. I'm glad that, you know, it took us uh, – we circled around a lot. But, hey, you know, we're finally here. No one circles the show like Tyler and Tom. No one circles the show like Tyler and Tom. Thank you, Chris Berman. Uh, <laughs> uh, the NCAA is uh, doing away with uh, transfer restrictions. So you, you can't have a jackass like Lincoln Riley tell you, hey, I'm not going to let you transfer in conference and try to halt, you know, uh, Austin Kendall from going to West Virginia or get in the way of Chandler Morris going to TCU. You know what? That's just gonna, That's just how it's going to be, that you can transfer within conference. You don't have to sit out a year. You can do that one time. Now, if you transfer again, you would have to sit out. And the, the, there's still the thing of that if you're a grad transfer, you wouldn't have to sit out. But this is a game changer. Uh, a guy like Bryce Thompson who you mentioned there. Bryce Thompson... He announced he's leaving KU just the other day, and he is going to be immediately eligible to play somewhere else next year. And now, essentially, we have free agency in college sports, in college football, in college basketball at this point in time. And the the interesting factor in all this, too, Tom, is there's a lot of interesting factors. Well, one of the things that comes to mind, Tom, is now the expectation, right? We think of program building that, hey, you got to take two or three years to get those high school players in, wait for them to be juniors and seniors, your own guys and such. I think of, let's say Porter Moser, for example. Uh, Porter Moser, the new head coach at Oklahoma, uh, Porter was asked uh, recently, you know, hey, you're taking over that Oklahoma program. How many years is it going to take to get things going there? You know, you got all these guys transferring out, your new head coach. Um, how long is it going to take? And he said, no, it's not going to take any time. We're going to get right to work right away. We're going to try to compete to win Big 12 championships at Oklahoma from the jump. And we're not waiting around on that. And the idea was that Porter Moser is going to really go after the transfer market. Um, that right now, I believe there's 1,900 athletes across all of college sports within the transfer portal right now. Um, this, this changes a lot of things, but I think the biggest change of it all is the time is not there now. You have to get your rosters turned around. The window is a whole lot shorter. You can make a case that it's easier to compete because you have those resources of transfer players out there more so than before, but also your window is tired to get things done. The pressure is on these coaches to not only win on the recruiting trail, but win in the portal to turn these programs around. The clock 
is uh, is ticking a, a, a few seconds faster than it was just yesterday, Tom. Yeah, it is. And and as far as the recruiting trail goes, it's not going to just end at a at a you know just at sign day. I mean, this can change the whole layout and I'm assuming it will because there are going to be teams that are that usually hoard the five-star players and now those five-star players aren't going to want to wait around forever uh also maybe the smaller programs maybe it benefits them just a little bit more because these guys are going to want to go and play immediately and know that they will be able to if the college that picks them or that, that signs them, doesn't pick them to start, or maybe the other five-star guy does a little bit better, uh, they're going to want out sooner. I mean, the transporters are, transfer portal is already a thing and alive and well, and this is just going to only intensify it. Jones free agency and college football. Uh, do the rich get richer, or does this even some things out? I think the rich get richer because uh, – you mentioned that the small programs might have an opportunity to get more players in that couldn't start otherwise to go somewhere to immediately start. Like example, Chandler Morris going to TCU. Now TCU is not a small school, but you know, getting out of the big school like Oklahoma. Um, but here's where I see a problem for these smaller schools goes, Tom. Um, you know, the, the, the big, uh, the big Eastern Washington kid, prime example, or the guy that Kansas just got from Duke or from Drake in, uh, in men's basketball. These guys are going to be at these small programs and, you know, the, the moment that they have their breakout, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to a big school and I'm going to try to compete for a championship. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not complaining one bit. I'm all for the right of the players as, you know, they're not being paid uh, last time I checked. And at the very, very least, if we're not going to compensate these guys, by all means, let them at least play where they want to play. Let them go get an education and live where they want to live. If you're not going to give them a dime, at least give them the choice to go be where they want to be, where they're wanted. Um, these coaches, for how long? have made these big commitments. They sign these extensions. They say, I'm going to be here. Um, you know, Chris Beard, just what was it, four years ago, made that whole big spiel at Texas Tech that he said, you know, mama, she called and said, come home. And when mama calls, you answer. Well, you know what? Daddy, Texas called and he's in Austin now. I mean, and he's just going to be there and build up that Texas program. And this is the same guy that initially committed to be the head coach at UNLV and never coached a game at UNLV. These coaches have been able to get all this money from these universities and move whenever they want. And then these players are stuck in situations playing for a coach that didn't recruit them, that they didn't want to play for, and they're not happy and all sorts of reasons have come up. So more power to the players. This is a win-win all the way around. Some coaches are good, like, you know, Lincoln Riley or others are going to be frustrated by it, but tough. A program like Oklahoma has, uh, you want to talk about, you know, benefiting from transfers. 
I think Oklahoma has benefited from transfer quarterbacks about more than any school in the country right now. There's no room to complain. Right. I mean, yeah, for Lincoln Riley to even complain about that, I mean, he's – I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking away from how good of a head coach he is, but just for him to be the one, the bitch, uh, is, is pretty funny considering he's benefited off of it a lot. And like you said, probably more than anybody else. Um, so, I mean, they were pretty – seemed like decently swift on this move to just be like, all right, it's open season. Um, which cool. I am, I am cool with it. Um, you know, the transfer portal already happened. Kids are going to go to the transfer portal portal anyway. So let's just expedite it, get it over with. I'm for it. Like you said, power to the players. I'm here for it. Yeah, exactly. Let the players do what they want and, you know, play where they want to play and, and, uh, play for those who they want to coach. The other thing too, that this changes is that um, these coaches are not going to be able to get away with treating their players like garbage. The Tom Osborne days, the Bo Pelini days, if you want to talk recently, shout out Nebraska for treating players like crap. Uh, (laughs) Those days are over now. Essentially, you're going to have to continue recruiting your players while they are there, that's a game changer. Now your whole outlook, your whole approach changes and probably mostly for the good part. Some of it could be bad. You might think twice if you get on to a player when he makes a mistake, well, how do I go about that and such? Um, Do I give this guy plan time just to keep him happy and hope that he stays and such like that? Um, There's, there's some things that it won't be perfect, but it is uh, it's going to be different. I, I think those days of the Tom Osborne style are well, well behind us, Tom. I think so. It's going to change the whole layout on player-coach relationships, uh, just the inner workings of college football programs. It's, it's going to be – we'll see if it's for the best. I think it probably is, but, you know, still – TBD here. You know, the players aren't getting paid, so until they're getting paid, more power to them. Well, and, and think of it like you do college, the uh, professional sports, right? Um, professional sports, you're, you're coaching grown men, and you can't get in their face and yell at them and tell them off and, and you know, treat them that way because these guys are grown men. And there's the demands of, hey, if you're going to you know, treat me bad, or if it's, we're not going to have a good working relationship, then I'm going to leave in free agency or I'm going to demand a trade. Um, in this case, with essentially every player, Tom, not only do we have just free agency now in college sports, you have to view every player essentially as being on a one-year contract, maybe even shorter than that, really. Um, that, you know, if they're going to be eligible that very next year, then you have to continue to treat them with respect and continue to make them happy because they can walk out at any time. That is something, if you want to compare it to the pros, these pros, pro guys, you know, you know you're going to be there for a while or you know that even if, uh, if a relationship goes sour, 
that potentially you could trade and get some value there. Uh, we're talking about it. If, if things don't go right, you're losing somebody and, and you're not getting anything in return just because there's free agency now in college sports. There's not a trade market now either. It doesn't work that way. That's where things differ in that sense too. Yeah. I'll be interested to see, you know, they, they mentioned the no tampering, both coaches or coach and player have to sign off on it. Um, so I'm looking at it like, well, I think there's going to be some tampering involved. There's there, there always is. There will be a loophole. Something will happen. That will be the first big scandal of, of this new era, I guess you could say. There will be tampering of some sort. Somebody will say, hey, come play over here. Some direct message will be sent on Twitter that, you know, Somebody will recruit a la Kevin Durant and say, come play with us. Come play with us. We got this, 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 and this. Um, we got, you know, the best party scene, the best academics, the best whatever, you know, the best looking women. We, they're gonna, that's going to be said. And it already somewhat is mm-hmm. just before signing day. But, I mean – it's going to be like, oh, well, such and such school could win a championship next year all of a sudden, and there's like a one-year window. I'll just go play for them next year. I wonder how much it's going to get abused. Yeah, um, I think that's that's, that's my worry. That's a very good point. Uh, absolutely. Is, there's going to be some tampering. I'll put money on it. Yeah, and, and there's going to be a situation of players recruiting other players uh, and forming college versions of super teams. And again, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's fine uh, with this situation. These guys aren't getting paid. I'm not discouraging that one bit. But let, let's play a scenario here for you, Tom. Um, remember several years back when, you know, Mason Rudolph, James Washington, Baker Mayfield, and and, uh, you know, a couple of those guys, they were all best friends. They were like hanging out with each other at the beach, you know, during the off season and such like that. Um, I mean, I feel like at some point it might not be right away, but who's to say in a couple of years from now that you get a couple of phone calls and things worked out, all of a sudden you have an exodus of OU, of OSU's best players come to Norman and pair up with their buddies there and they form a big 12 super team or something, or, you know, we, we could see this certainly, uh, you know, would have uh, going to your rival now is going to be so much easier to be done. I, I don't like the idea of going to your rival. I think I've made that very clear with what Kevin Durant did going to the Warriors who were the Thunderstop rival and all that. But it's going to happen. This is going to be. This is going to take some of these rivalries to another level uh, of you know some big pissing wars of sorts uh, of guys that are going to leave to go you know to their their rival here. That that's it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that's going to happen, Tom. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's going to be teaming up. It's not going to be as evident like in the NBA. But there's going to be some shenanigans involved in that case. Uh, I don't know what to what degree or what consequences will be laid down. Uh, I'll be interested to see what 
consequences happen once they find a tampering case because it's not an if but when. <laughs> well, so, so I hope it's not Oklahoma State that it happens to. I'm hoping it's obviously OU uh, from a fan point of view. Or you some know, storylines are going to even write themselves. Like, can you imagine right now? Okay, you want to talk about you know everybody, of course, points to the Kevin Durant thing, going to the Warriors, and all that. Think about like Michigan. You know, how many times have they lost to Ohio State now? Just watch. Wait for somebody from Michigan to go to Ohio State, and they're like, oh, can it be to Ohio State? Now you decide to come to the Buckeyes and such. I mean, some of these stuff, these situations, you can already see what's going to happen here. I mean, yeah. I mean, so and the, the, the crazy thing that might change some landscapes, too, is there's not a whole lot of scandals involved in football compared to college basketball. I mean, it seems like every year coach, you know, took all this money a la Kansas from Adidas and, you know, did all this, these different things. And we, you know, we accuse of UNC and Duke and all the blue bloods of college basketball getting caught in scandals and missing the tournament and yada, yada, yada. How soon is it that a blue blood college will get caught tampering with the transfer portal for players and something big to come out? Uh, I mean, if, if, if I was going to be real honest, the first school that I think is going to happen to at least in the surrounding area is Texas. We're going to find some shit out about Texas that they're going to jack with the transfer portal and it's, it's going to be just a shit show. Uh, and everyone's going to hope it's not their team. It's, it's going to be one of those things where everyone cheats uh, because you have to cheat to stay relevant. I mean, that's what I think is going to end up happening with this. I, I do think it's for the best, but I do think we'll get to a point where we'll have to have some reform. Right. Yeah. This is uh, th- this going to be interesting. The Wild West of college sports is ahead. Now, as far as these specific college sports goes, uh, Tom, I would guess that this is going to be bigger in college football than it is in college basketball because in college basketball, you know, all the top talent for the most part is only staying there a year or two or three. Um, you know, when you have the – if you're good enough to, you know, even think about a super team of some sort, you're probably thinking about going ahead and going pro of some sorts. Um, with the NFL draft, with you not even being eligible till your third after your third year of college ball, you'd have somebody that has a good freshman or good sophomore season transfer to another school and then still go to the draft, have three years. That's a lot of time before you're even eligible to go to the draft. I see this playing a bigger role in college football than I do college basketball, even though in theory, college basketball, less players, you know, um, would be easier to kind of form a team. I think because of that NBA eligibility factor, this would be a bigger deal on the football side. Yeah, that. And, I mean, what's going to happen when you get a, a two- or a three-star guy that gets understarred and then, you know, comes out and, and plays for maybe not a blue blood and then just a, a two-, three-star guy out of high school shows up like a – I mean, I, I use this example because I'm very familiar with it. Justin Blackman out of like Ardmore was like a two or three star receiver comes on the scene, blows up is one of the top 
wide receivers for Oklahoma State all time. I mean, if it's this day and age, he was to say he's not going to be like, well, thanks for recruiting me, guys, and I just blew up on the scene, so I'm going to go and play for Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama or Texas or Notre Dame or OU or USC or – I mean, I say USC just because they were more relevant then, but – um still i mean who's to say that that doesn't happen that you know these two three-star guys that end up being top tier top top of the line i mean what if what if there was tampering and let's say like a jordan love from utah state just said well utah state i'm, I'm going to play for georgia you know um, is that going to happen? Will there be tampering involved there where these blue bloods start picking and choosing who they want from these smaller teams, these smaller recruits? Okay. Um, Here's a scenario. Could that happen? You mentioned, you know, I, I, you, you seem hung up on the tampering idea. Here's something for you. Um, what if you're interviewing for a, a coaching job? Do you think it's going to come up with in an interview – Hey, who are you bringing with you? Not assistants, but players. Are some of your guys coming over with you? Um, are you going to choose one coach over another based on players within his program already that you have in mind are going to come with him to that program? Is that a scenario we're talking about here? Is that going to be an expectation now? Maybe, you know, we, we've seen this. I mean, think of like Steve. Think of like Steve Sarkeesian. Like, I mean, in that case, Texas is saying, "Well, who are you bringing with you?" Yeah, who's coming from Alabama with you, Steve? Who? who what? What players are you going to add to this team? Is that going to be in the interview process? One hundred percent. Here's an, you know another along the same lines too. So what we've seen over the years, Tom, is where coaches may have turned down a good head coaching job because, you know, their senior class is coming back and they want to run it back and they want to have a big run that next year. And then the coach after that year takes another job of some sorts. Now, in theory, it could be like, well, you know what? Instead of this whole idea of us running it back and doing it at, you know, the, the little sisters of the poor college, Let's uh let's go do that at you know Missouri or let's go do that at Utah or you know just naming some schools off the top of my head. What's to say that isn't the mindset of these coaches of eh, you know what I'll go ahead and take that big job because these players I'm just, I'm going to take them with me. Yeah, that's I mean I guess that's I mean on that side I guess you could call that tampering from the coach's point of view. I mean there's going to be so many loopholes in this, like I said, I'll solve dial on this hill. I think it's for the best, but at the beginning, it's going to be the freaking wild, wild west. It's going to be who can exploit this the most before they figure out the little loopholes and close those up. This is what's going to happen. Is it going to take a year? Is it going to take five? Is it going to take 10 years? I mean, we've been asking for a college football playoff reform with more teams pretty much since its inception. Um, we're going to be asking for reform on this, or I say we, players or fans of teams who get burnt by this type of shit are going to be 
livid and teams that benefit from it are going to be like, hell yeah, until it's your team that gets burnt, then you may or may not have a problem with it. I, I mean, maybe they've thought of they, if, if we're thinking of these things, I think we're pretty smart. Um, some people probably don't. Some people probably do. Either listen for us for the for the good takes or for the hot takes. Um, and maybe this is one of them. But I think that this is going there's going to be a I think it's going to be a shit show at first. We can look back on this in a couple of years and it'll I'll be the first one to tell you that we're going to be bitching about it when it's one of our teams that get burnt because it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, even and, and no one is not going to get hurt by this, too. Um, even, you know, Alabama, you think about the, the guy that doesn't win the starting quarterback job. He's gone. He's out of there. Um if you do want to mention, you know, leveling the playing field, um, where this does get different for a team like, like Alabama is we've always said for them that, okay, there's, you know, you got one all American starting, but behind him is another all American um, that is just, you know, one guy to the next, whatever it may be. Um I think what you're hoping for, if you're looking for more parity in this, what you're hoping for is that a program like Alabama, okay, your depth, I hope it's gone. That those guys, when their name's not getting called, that they're moving on, that they're finding another destination, that they're leaving, going somewhere else. Because they're going to have that instant gratification ability just to be like, all right, peace them out. Right. That's what you're hoping for. If you're looking for more parity in college football, that's, I think, the path you're looking for is that, okay, the guy that doesn't win the job gets out of there, you know, gets out of Dodge and goes to another team that he can compete on. That's your hope, at least. That's what we're hoping. I think, I mean, everybody but Alabama fans are probably hoping that. I, I think we'll see some of that. But I also think we're going to see some of the flip side where it could end up balancing itself out where Alabama's just – you know, sucking all the good resources up. I mean, I mean, at, at that point, them losing their quarterback, their backup quarterback, that's the next man up, could be like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, I mean, you know, they could just be, you know, one five-star quarterback out of the blue. Well, another five-star quarterback from, I don't know, USC or some Pac-12 school could be like, well, I guess I'll go to Alabama. Right, and well, be their be their next man up. I mean, it's I, I think there could be some balance to it, but it's there's it's you know they you know when we NBA free agency all compared to this, um, when NBA free agency comes up, everyone's watching. Everyone's like, oh, this player's going here, here. There's Reddit is insane. If you're on Reddit on our NBA, you know what I'm talking about. There's it's they call it they call it F5 day. Um, and it's pretty much it just refreshes your computer just to see the newest updates. There's going to be – who's going to be the Woj bomb of college football transfers because it's fixing to get wild. Oh, yeah. The, the value of guys like Brett McMurphy and John Rothstein and, and these others uh, just went through the roof. Uh, I, I bet those guys 
they, they need to be hitting up their employers and demanding pay raises because their jobs just got a whole lot busier very quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be I mean, Twitter, that just adds another just dimension to Twitter. I mean, I mean, Twitter's great for for sports and, and free agency things. And I mean, I want someone big on the ESPN or just a big sports figure that could literally just come out and say, all right, welcome to college football free agency and just be point blank real about it. Because anybody that's not saying that this is not going to be a free agency type situation is just bullshitting themselves. It's 110% going to be wild, crazy free agency. And as long as your team doesn't get burnt, we're going to eat it up. But as, as soon as your star player on your team or your favorite player is like, I'm out to a blue blood and the rich get richer, oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, and you know what? We said it, power to the players which is fine and all good, but until these players start getting paid, that's their right to determine where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because, sure. And then, and I think, it, I think this could, I think this could spur that yeah. some form of payment or some form of, you know, a wide scale payment system for the player, for college football players. Well, and, and uh, I mean, this could have an impact across all of college sports immediately with this and um, you know, what we're looking at with the, uh, you know, just, you know, getting guys their rights and such to market themselves, you know, the, the licensing and all that, um, college sports is about to go under a drastic change in a very short amount of time. And this is only just one piece of all of that, uh, of what we're about to see unfold. We're going to talk more about this with, Coach Bo, Ryan O'Connor, when he joins us, coming up in just a bit for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. Also got our top four story of the week as well. Before we get to any of that, Sean Goodwin of the Kansas City Star is going to join us. We're going to talk soccer next here on the Jones Report. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, making his debut. I believe he's the first Brit we've ever had on this show. We've been on air 10 years and haven't had a Brit until now. It is uh, my good friend Sean Goodwin of the Kansas City Star and an old college friend of mine as well. Uh, I've traveled a few different places with this guy over the years. Sean, good to have you here, man. Thanks for joining us. For sure, Tyler. I am uh, I am proud and honored to be the first Brit on here. It's uh 10 years. I didn't realize you've been doing this for 10 years, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be 10 years in July officially. And so I guess that since you covered uh, KU football and uh, have been around the Chiefs and so too, you would be like the, the reverse Ted Lasso, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. I stopped with soccer and I went backwards. It's always fun, um, especially now with the star because I cover high school sports as well. Seeing that I'll go to these high school football games and high school basketball games, uh, you know, I'll cover the game. I know, I know, I'm talking about. I've been here for a decade, and then I'll walk up to these coaches, and you're just expecting a regular American person, and here's this British person asking about, you know, nickel formations and setting screens and whatnot, and they're like, "Who, who is this guy? What the hell's going on?" So you always see a little bit of surprise flash across the face. Catches them off guard a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
That's good, Sean. Uh, I mentioned Ted Lasso. You're, you're a Ted Lasso watcher, right? I am heavily on the Ted Lasso train. I think, <laughs> I think in, in recent times, because um, a couple of shows that I watch on repeat, uh, in between us, a British show, The Office, I have not had one for a while. And I think Ted Lasso might be the one uh, that is going to be adding to that list. So, uh, so I'm, I'm distracted right now. My cast is trying to escape through the window. Um, but yeah, no, so no, Ted Lasso is uh, de- definitely up there. Big, big Ted Lasso guy. I love all the Kansas City references in that show, too. Yeah, I um, I actually just got my girlfriend started on it too. Uh, so we're only on episode three, okay. and she's not really she's not really a big sports person or soccer person, so she's a little hesitant to start just because you know she thought it'd be a sports show, which yeah it is. But I was like, you know, the, the sports side of it isn't showing that much. It's a lot more, the, you know, the background stuff and the human interactions, and I just think it's such a human show, honestly. Sure. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know, I'm not going to spoil anything for people who have or haven't watched it, but episode, ends of episode five made me literally cry. I was like, oh, look at the feels it gave me, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely definitely up there for one of my favorite shows that I've watched in recent times. <laughs> me too. Uh, Sean, exciting times there where you're at in Kansas City with uh, Sporting Kansas City coming off uh, a very good year last year. Uh, now a professional women's soccer team uh, uh-huh. has shown up as well. Uh, what, what's the uh, the feelings towards uh, soccer heading into this uh, 2021 campaign? Seems like uh, a lot of people are are already excited for for both things here uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, um, are we talking the stars or joint stars? MLS and Sports and KC. We'll start uh, MLS Sporting KC, but just overall, tell me the feel of folks about just soccer in Kansas City right now. It seems like this is as high as it's been maybe ever. Uh, so before we start, let me kick my cat out, Tyler. He's being annoying. Go. All right. Yeah. Soccer in Kansas City. Um, you know, it, it, people are ready. I think Kansas City and Seattle probably have the arguments between not Seattle, uh, Portland probably have the arguments of the two uh, soccer soccer capitals of USA, right? Um, I think because of the NWSL in recent years with performance, Portland might have picked that, but Kansas City's always called itself the soccer capital of the US. I mean, you know, obviously sports and KC, they had their sellout streak of over 100 games before the 20. 2018 season, 2019 season. Um, but yeah, people are ready, Tyler. You know, it's, it was a longer off season than usual. Uh, sporting to make get deep runs to playoffs, of course, uh, fell all with shorts in November. And usually, you know, it's then you have three months off basically, and you get pre season stocks in February and then the season stocks in March. And it seems to be getting pushed earlier and earlier every year, too. And all the and because of because of COVID and because of negotiations between the MLSPA and the league, um, the, the start date kept getting pushed back further and further until I guess this coming weekend. So uh, we're what we're in mid-April now. So fans have been waiting a good while, and then obviously on the NWS side, Kansas City has a new women's soccer team as well. So 
you know, when I say new, go as a team here a couple of years ago, FC Kansas City, KLF for Utah, back. And I think people are really excited and ready to embrace that team as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's a good time to be a soccer fan in Kansas City. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, there, there's still hope for getting the World Cup in uh, 2026 as yeah. well. That's, uh, that's still a big push. Uh, where, where are things at on that uh, as far as uh, that goes? Yeah, uh, we should know by the end of 2021, the final city should be announced. That's the current timeline. Uh, so not too long ago, I'd say maybe a month ago at most now, um, the, the World Cup uh, like selection in Kansas City. Uh, you know, of course, they were looking at Arrowhead opposed to Children's Mercy Park, which I think is a shame uh, just because I, I think Children's Mercy Park, especially for some of the smaller games, you know, every World Cup, you've got to go like, man, Peru versus Ghana or, you know, New Zealand versus Serbia or something like that. You know, it's respectable footballing. But when it comes to a fan base in the US, Children's Mercy Park would be perfect for that. You can, you know, you can fill 20,000 people in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can fill 25,000. And it's, it's a tight atmosphere, right? If you're playing those games in Arrowhead, everyone's kind of spread out. It's a little, it's a little less intense, and you wasn't really expect Arrowhead to really fill out unless it was one of those, obviously a USA game. Okay, I doubt the US are playing Kansas City, uh, just because of the fan bases. But you know, if it was like a Brazil, Argentina, England, France, Germany playing in Kansas City, yeah, they could obviously get a, a great crowd for Arrowhead, but. I think it's a shame we're not looking a little bit more at Children's Mercy Park. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Uh, but uh, Arrowhead, obviously, uh, the, you know, the bottom line, you know, trying to get ticket sales, I get it too at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, with, with the Sporting Kansas City this year, uh, what, what do you make of the squad? What has uh, Peter Vermees put together uh, this offseason here? Yeah, um, it, it's surprising, actually, So. I've been touting all off-season that obviously this was a team that in a very tight race last season that came down to points per game because of COVID. Sporting won the Western Conference uh, just because of, you know, I think in the official standings, point-wise, they were third, but points per game, they took first. Uh, I've been saying all off-season that now we're back to a full regular season. If guys like Alan Polizzo or Solovus League captain can stay fit, it's the team can take top three again, uh, and you're seeing a lot of national media kind of put them more as low as seven, honestly. Uh, but when you look at the squad itself, you know, they've they brought in a new French centre back in Nicolas Isamat Marin, they brought in um, a new midfielder and Remy, Remy Walter, not Remy, well, not Remy Martin, he's the basketball player for Arizona, I think. Uh, if you gave me a dollar, uh, Tyler, for Times I called Remy Walter Remy Martin, I'd be a very rich man right now. <laughs> um, so yes, Remy Walter Sports and KC. Um, so you know, those those are two of the really big ones. Again, if you know they brought in kind of reinforcements, Kendall McIntosh back up for um, to Melia if need be. And as for outgoing players, I mean you've you've lost Matt Beasley, of course, who's the was the big name in Kansas City, Kansas City born, captain of the team since 2014. Um, so, you know, he barely played last year just because, you know, his legs were kind of going, injury. 
So he's went to Austin. They lost um, Felipe Gutierrez. Again, injured all last season, didn't play. And then you've lost Jason Fernandez, which is my slight concern. Now, they are yet to, to fill in a, a proper left, um, at least from outside the club, yet to bring anyone in to sort of replace Gerso. Because right now, I'm not sure who fits on that left wing for long term. Um, throughout last season, you know, Kyrie Shelton would play out there and Johnny Russell would sometimes play out there. But both of those guys, both of those guys, seem way more confident on the right. Um, and then you've got guys like Daniel Shallowy who will maybe go there, and Tyler Freeman. But it, it's no one who I think should be a long-term solution at left wing. But as a whole, you know, if, if they fix that, I guess it's your summer transfer window now. Um, they, they could be in good stead for not an MLS Cup run or anything like that, but certainly make the playoffs and see where things go. So it, it sounds like this is a transition year of sorts for Sporting Kansas City. You're, you're talking about, okay, things won't probably be as bad as they were two years ago when they had their worst season in a very long time and they were uh, riddled with so many injuries and such, but they're not necessarily winning the Western Conference like they did last year either. Is that how you would describe this as like a transition year of sorts? Yeah, transition. If you if you want to call it transition, uh, you know I, I remember it was uh, talking to Peter. I guess it was near the end of last season, and he was asked about you know transition or rebuilding. Another word for it, and he called it like a team ever rebuilds. They just retooling. Uh, so you know it's it's constantly it's just kind of a constant wheel almost of players coming and going. But you never you never should have those super dips like it is in twenty eighteen, which of course. Oh no, 2019 was a bad season. 2018 was great. 2018 Western Conference final, but 2019 was a bad season. Um, so yeah, now it's... Again, I don't think you can expect a team, especially in MLS, with just how much parity there is between the league. Obviously, there's always a couple of teams who are typically near the bottom, your Montreal's and Cincinnati's and whatnot, but very hard to have sustain, sustain success like what we've seen a team like Portland or Seattle do over a long period of time. So, you know, if, if Sporting obviously get win the Western Conference last year, uh, if they can go on and then... Um, that's what I'm looking for. I guess if they can finish third, fourth or fifth, you know, obviously the fans aren't going to be jumping for joy, but it's certainly not a failure failure of a season. You still make the playoffs. If you can get at least one home playoff game, that would be great. Uh, which again, you know, finishing the top three spot. But yeah, transition year. I think it's one of those where there are better teams in the league at the end of the day. Right. And with, with that being said, uh, what, what about the talent on this team? Uh, what say you as far as uh, the the players coming up and such? What, what's this team done for their uh, their system of uh, young talent coming up? Where's all that stand right now? Oh yeah, love the good young talents to be. So young talent discussion for sports in Kansas City. It seems to have been a ongoing trend for the last couple of years now, and with good reason too. I mean, you know, you, you look at some of the players that we've been uh, pushing up. I guess the latest one, if you're not including obviously the. Uh, ever-rising star of John Luca Buzio is uh, Wilson Harris. 
you know, he, he he's been in the ranks for a little while, and now he's been making he's been made a huge splash in um in the preseason, scoring goals left, right, and center. So, you know, Wilson Harris coming up again. Don't know how many games he'll how many how much time how many men get this season. Um, but you know, also you've got always John Lucabuzio, eighteen years old. Uh, you've got the rumors of him going off to Europe, but he just took a number ten shirt. I mean, that, that's a ballsy move for an eighteen-year-old. Uh, you know, you look at former guys who wear wore that shirt. I mean, I guess you're on Cruise for a small while, but uh, Bangy Field Harbor was a big one. He held it for a couple of years and. You know, fans, I mean, he's a, I'm not going to say he's a Kansas City legend, but in recent years, you know, he was one of those big players in many of their cup runs. And now he's on the coaching staff there. So he he's gave Buzio a little bit of crap <laughs> saying, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he won't be as good as him joking about and whatnot. But, but now, so you got Buzio and a good back, you know, Jalen Lindsay's always coming up, looking a little bit better. Um, goalkeepers, Brooks Thompson. Um, John Pulskamp, two great young goalkeepers. I think John Pulskamp wants to Amelia finally retires, which could be. I mean, he's not slowing down, Tyler. Uh, but I think John Pulskamp could be the solution from within. So, you know, a lot of good young guys in the system, and there's good reason why, um, why the club consistently talks about, you know, having a system of pushing players from the ages of 10, 11, 12, eventually all the way through to the first team. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, as far as the uh, MLS goes as a whole, what what do you uh, make of this uh, upcoming season uh, coming up here? What what are some uh, things that people need to know about this twenty twenty one campaign? Um, I, I think you know it's 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 going to be kind of a, a boring answer in saying Columbus, obviously, yeah, coming off their MLS Cup victory. Um, but I, I just think I just think Columbus, they, if they're going to win something this year, whether it's you know they somehow win the Concacaf Champions League, um, but especially in the MLS, if if they go and repeat, you know that that would be almost expected. I think you know Columbus, they've got so many good players. They brought in other good players, but many of their good players are in their peak. I mean, as I Zella Ryan, Darlington, Agby. Eloy Room, the goalkeeper. Um, trying to think who else. They brought in Kevin Molino, uh, another great player. Like you've got all of these good players who are not just great players, but they're in their prime. And if if they don't go on and win at least another competition this year, whether it's US Open Cup, MLS Cup, Champions League, I think that will be a disappointing season for Columbus. So, you know, they're my quick and easy pick. Um, if you look at the long shots, um, again, it's not the most exciting pick, but uh, Philadelphia, you know, they, they won the Supporters' Shield last year and they crashed out to the playoffs in the first round. But again, Philly, another great team, a lot of, a lot of talent on that team. So if they're kind of a dark horse pick to go on and perhaps make some waves, and Philly's my pick, Tyler. Okay. And uh, Austin FC, you mentioned. Uh... Uh, earlier, making their, uh, I believe this is their uh, season debut, correct? Season debut, yep. They are the 20th uh, expansion team in MLS history. So, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's good to be an Austin, you know, into the fold. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure 
how much they do this year. I mean, again, they've got a lot of good players. Obviously, I mentioned Matt Beasley. I think will be. It's good for him. He'll be able to get back in the lineup. Hopefully, he can kind of anchor that team from the back. And any of the other great guys, Alexander Ring is there. Um, Diego Fagundes get brought in. So you know, it's they've got good players, but I'm not expecting them to make the waves that Atlanta made a couple of years ago in their expansion season or. LAFC have made since their expansion year. You know, those teams came into the league and completely started blowing teams away. Uh, your Vegas goals and Knights for NHL, another example. Again, they come in and go straight to the Stanley Cup finals. I'm not expecting that from Austin. Uh, but I also don't think they're going to endure the kind of rookie seasons that, you know, Cincinnati is still going through, honestly. Um Orlando City, they, they made their first playoffs last season, and that was only by virtue. Oh no, they had a really good season last year, to be fair. I won't say that, but but still, that was I believe it was Orlando's sixth year in the league, and they finally made the playoffs. So you know, I, I'm not expecting Austin to undergo that kind of um, that kind of tough cycle. Uh, but again, I don't to come in and pull a Atlanta United MLS Cup either. You mentioned they're the uh, 20th expansion franchise. Um, there's still more teams coming too. The, the MLS, uh, what, wh- where are they at? Who are some of the other expansion teams coming up in the near future? Yeah, um, going to reboot my memory. I'm, while I Google that, it's my um, right off the bat. Obviously, you've got St. Louis coming in. Uh, can you hear me, Tyler? It says my connections on stable. Oh, yeah, I got you. You're still here. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so. Um, no, so obviously you St. Louis coming in. St. Louis was was pushed back a year because of COVID, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, they're coming in, again, just with that Kansas City uh, connection here. You know, it'll be great to have some sort of, you know, I-70 rivalry uh, coming up again. So, yeah, that will be great um, for the league. And then Charlotte FC as well is supposed to be coming next season, 2022. Uh, so again, you know, you're getting another team um, that can, you know, if you if you Google it now, uh, Charlotte FC Stadium, they've got a really nice stadium up there. Um, I, I don't have from scratch or not, to be honest, Tyler. Um, but again, if it's, I I think now we're getting to the point that um, we're getting so many teams in the league that you have to consider this <laughs> is a whole debate I don't think we're willing to get into a promotion relegation kind of deal right. I mean by by 2023 once you've got St. Louis and Charlotte in uh, you know you're looking at 29 teams in the league and then I know Las Vegas Phoenix Indianapolis Louisville San Diego Detroit these are all team all, all cities throwing their names in the ring of hey, we you know we want a team in the league as well, and when you're gonna have 29 by 2023, you know I mean what do most other professional leagues have in America? 30, 32 teams, right? Around 30, 32, yeah, yeah. So you know MLS is getting to that point, but you know when you look at every other soccer league around the world, I think the most you'll see is probably 24. Uh, being English Championship, the English second tier, but most other professional soccer leagues in the world, they have 20 teams and obviously they get into groups. 
promotion relegation, which I could talk about for an hour, so I won't. Right. Um, but we are getting to that point in MLS where, okay, we, we can't just keep adding teams and expect nothing to happen. And I mean, you hear it with, uh, I've asked Peter Ramis about it, uh, when it comes to transfers, you know, it's getting to the point where there's so many teams and it was about, you know, sports and Casey is bringing in these foreign players now, like Isamat Marin and Walter, um, both French guys, both from Europe. And, you know, obviously they brought in other foreigners in the past too. And he's basically saying that now because the league is getting so big, uh, US talent is starting to get spread a lot more thinly. Uh, they just, there's too much competition for players within the league. And I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. Obviously, that helps with parity. But we're getting to the point where, you know, there's, there's too many top tier teams. Uh, to where it, it's, if MLS wants to make that next jump, then you, you have to look in a, some sort of promotion relegation system. Right. Well, and I think people outside of, you know, diehard soccer fans forget the MLS is still a very young league too um, in its history. It's still trying to find its footing and still trying to establish itself. Where is the league at as far as talent goes now comparatively speaking to what it was even a few years ago is, is the MLS respected, uh, you know, around, you know, worldwide uh, at this point? Yeah. It, I mean, even compared to a couple of years ago, I don't think it's still as respected as people were like, uh, but I think the, the first benchmark that we have to look at right now is Liga MX. I think Liga MX is, respected around the world just because you get a lot more Mexican players throughout history have gone over to Europe to play and being successful that's a big part of it and in the second part you look at the club world Cup, um, which is you know it, it picks the Champions League winners from each continent and for the last something stupid like 15 years the CONCACAF Champions League winner has been Mexico so these Mexican teams are playing on the world stage against you know your Liverpool's and Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. It's only once a year, but it's it's you know it's making people in Europe go, okay, well Mexico is obviously the best league over there. Yeah. Uh, if you look at this year's Concacaf Champions League, um, five five MLS teams and only four league so it does make it a little bit more uneven. But all five MLS teams have now um, they're going to be through to the quarterfinals. Um, Columbus plays tonight against Astori. Uh, I'm going to have to think where the heck Astori is even from. Um, but they won the, uh, Columbus won 4-0 in the first leg. They play the second leg tonight. Six. They're not going to slip up 4-0 lead. So, you know, you're looking at all five MLS teams in the quarterfinals. Um, and then I think Toronto beat Club Leon as well. Um, I believe it was CONCACAF Champions League. Let me Google that real quick so I'm not getting it wrong for you. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. Yeah, Toronto knocked out Leon, who were the Liga MX champions last season. Um, so, you know, that's, that's right there. But now you've only got three Liga MX teams and five MLS teams in the quarterfinals. Uh, so that's that's a great benchmark. That's saying that you know the gap has kind of been closed. Where you know it, it, we we could 
go on to the semi-finals and the finals, and then we'll get a Monterey versus America or a, a Cruz Azul versus America final, and a Mexican team will win again, and August goes out the window. Right. But but we've just got Rockets points where the MLS teams aren't losing in the first round to your Supreses and Olympias and you know. Escali, I guess, that's who Columbus is playing. And I can tell you right now, Tyler, Real Escali is from, um, you know, it's still not, oh, Nicaragua. So, so you know, we're, we're at a point where a couple of years ago, the Nicaraguan team could, they could hold MLS teams and now they can't. So that, that right there kind of shows that solid progress in in the last couple of years, and obviously the players got coming into the league. It's being seen as a bit less of a retirement league. Um, I remember writing my first ever story when I first became a little a little baby journalist. Uh, I was sophomore year of college, asked to write a um, writing opinion piece about anything I wanted, just so we could see, you know, how does this kid write? Is he trash? Is he good? At the time, I was probably trash. Uh, but I, I I wrote about MLS not being a retirement league, and that was Christ. That was twenty sixteen. So you know, five years on, the, the league has made big strides. I think in a couple more years, especially if things start getting Concacaf Champions League winners, uh, it will go on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, last thing in the MLS when when we're looking at expansion, the cities that you named off, Austin. St. Louis, Orlando, you know, some of these recent places, yep. those are non-pro football cities, American football, you know, uh, NFL cities. It is, is that a strategy of some sorts? I mean, you look at Portland, some of these other places, I mean, they're not going to necessarily just all the biggest cities trying to attack every single large market. It, it seems like the strategy within the MLS uh, and maybe I'm wrong on this. There, there is a focus of cities like Austin, for example, no other professional sports teams. They're the first there. Portland, they're the second professional sports team. Orlando, they're the second. Um, is there a focus on getting to these places that uh, don't have those NFL teams or other professional sports franchises where they could be the first in town of sorts? Yeah, um, no, I, I do think you have a good point there, Tyler. It's not something I've honestly thought about uh, off the top of my head, but I mean, yeah, you, you know, you're looking at it, more teams, I guess, you know, Miami brought in a team, or not Miami, um, Nashville brought in a team recently. Uh, no, Miami did, Inter Miami, of course. So you got Inter Miami, Nashville brought in teams, um, Cincinnati, obviously you got the Bengals, I guess. Um, but it's not really being things, I guess. Yeah. Kind of going backwards now. I mean, you had LAFC, obviously, you know, you've got the Rams and the Chargers. Um, that was 2018. Minnesota, um, they brought in, obviously, because the Vikings. Yeah. Atlanta, the Falcons. So, maybe, maybe Tyler, uh, I, I think it might, it might definitely be weighed a bit more favorably towards those cities, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, just, just because of that exact reason, you don't have to compete with uh, another, um, you know, another major sport, especially when the MLS postseason 
it, it runs through the middle of the football season, which isn't ideal. You know, for the most part, MLS, again, stocks in March, and it runs through to December. So for a good chunk of the year, they're not competing with the, the American football teams. And, you know, they're competing with baseball through the summer, but I, I don't think they're too worried about competing with MLB. Okay. Just because of... Interesting. Uh, I, I, say, I, love M- I love MLB. I just, you know, I say I have a realistic point of view. Like the average age of a MLB game is 50 years old. I don't think that's a big of a concern. Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Let me just say, by the way, Royals, Royals in first place right now. Let me just say that in the AL Central, second in the American League. Yes, only uh, one of that's two teams. Only one or two teams in Major League Baseball not to lose a series at this point. Um, exactly. And we're still only six and four. We're not great, but we're six and four. So. <laughs> We're, we're above exactly. 500. Two games above 500. We'll take it. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Kansas City women's soccer team, part of the NWSL, made their debut last week. Uh, long time coming. People were, were, were clamoring for a return of women's soccer to Kansas City for, for a while. Now they're here. How did this uh, all come together here of, of uh, bringing this franchise to Kansas City and all, Sean? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's an exciting and rather frantic story, honestly, because uh, the ownership um, couple, I guess, Chris and Angie Long, who brought the team back to Kansas City, a great group of people, but I guess for people who don't know the history of this team, so yeah, FC Kansas City gave it one of the the founding teams of the NWSL back in 2013. They actually played in the first ever NWSL game against the Portland Thorns, about a quarter of a mile from where I sit at the uh, Shawnee Mission North High School, uh, the Shawnee Mission Sports District Centre, whatever it's called, uh, which I think is super cool. Like you just look at where the league is now, you know, they've gone from playing your local game on a high school field to, to what we see as today, where all the games are on Paramount Plus and you're having fans of 20,000 plus, which I think eight years, that's great. Um, but yeah, so FC Kansas City. They, uh, you know, get in the league for a couple of years. They won a couple of NWSL championships and then just poor ownership, uh, poor marketing, infighting between ownership led him to leave Kansas City and it ends up in Utah for a couple of years. And then, you know, team wasn't great down there, failed to make the playoffs. And then the whole issue of Delroy Hansen uh, is... Uh, racist and sexual remarks regarding it was around the George Floyd murder. Um, and then there was the sexual remarks around the NWSL team, so he was forced to sell up. And then, so you bring it back to Kansas City. Uh, the, the Long family they were talking about bringing a team back to the NWSL for Kansas City, but they were expecting an expansion team. So these talks started around a year ago now, honestly, around March, April. Um, but they were talking about, you know, we're well, well bringing a team for 2020 be a complete new team. And then when all the stuff went down with Delroy Hansen, I was in you, uh, the Salt Lake City team. And he was, you know, there was talks about the team might have to just liquidate because there wasn't a buyer. Liquidate, the players would have to go to other places. And then... Um, and Kansas City was there waiting. So, you know, within a nine-month span, I think it was December 9th, I want to say, the uh, team was officially announced in the league. That the Long family just jumped on that, brought it back to Kansas City. 
Um, yeah, within you know basically four months, they've gone from brand new team within the league to playing your inaugural game last Friday, which was unfortunately a two-one loss again to Portland. Actually, uh, bringing it full circle, but it looked really good, and I think there is a lot of hope for this team going forward into the season. And uh, the ownership group includes uh, Patrick Mahomes, his uh, fiance Brittany Matthews. Uh, she's yep. involved in it, and. Uh, I believe they're playing at the uh, the old T-Bone Stadium uh, across the street there as well. Yeah, uh, Legends Field. Yeah, t- t- tell us about that. Just uh, the the atmosphere they're expecting. It seems like that uh, they should have some decent support. I would imagine for for this this club. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you know, we're, we're playing at Legends Fields, which is, as you said, the former formerly known as the T-Bones and now the Kansas City Monarchs. Um, so you know, they basically came up with this plan where they're gonna be instead of just plopping a soccer field down on the baseball field, um, which is something that we've seen New York City FC do for years and years and years in MLS. It's still no one knows when they'll finally have a stadium, I don't even know when they'll finally have a stadium. Um, but no, so yeah, they're gonna be in elections fields, and what they're doing is they're gonna set up a um, a set of bleachers across the outfield. So essentially, you're going to have fans uh, within uh, Google stands, you know, down with first and um, third to home uh, home plate baselines. And then, yeah, instead of having fans all the way out in the outfield in the stands, uh, so you're going to be looking at about 10,300, 10,400 capacity in there uh, when it all is said and done uh, as we get through COVID. Um, I know with COVID, it's not been confirmed by the club, uh, but uh, Kansas City Monarchs have said they'll have about 50% capacity to start their season. And it's been hinted to me that um, Casey Wilson do the same, so about 50%. Um, so, yeah, now once, once the season gets started, their first home games in a couple of weeks, I think you can expect to sell out compared to, you know, COVID rules right. going forward. Um, yeah, it'd be great to, to have that. You know, yeah. And uh, how good is uh, this team? Are we expecting them to be uh, very competitive? I know that they're not an expansion franchise. Uh, are, do you, are they supposed to be good right away? How, what's the talent level like for this group? Yeah, I mean, you're returning, I believe it's uh, seven, eight players from the Kansas City days. Honestly, so you, you've got a lot of players, I say Kansas City days, back when you were FC Casey before you moved to Utah, uh, back in 2017, has a 2018 season. Uh, so, you know, you've already got a core of players who know the city anyway. And like you said, Tyler, you know, it's, it's m- most of the core of players is coming from Utah. And that Utah team didn't, didn't do great, of course. They were kind of, you know, middle to bottom of the table, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh placing. Obviously, it's the top four that make the playoffs. Um, so not great, but I mean, you know, I just from what I've heard from the players, uh, I a lot of them have been rather candid about it, except Mallory Weber, who uh, she went on loan to Adelaide United in the Australian um, W League, and I was chatting with her about a month ago, I'd say, and she just let loose. She was like, "Yeah, that wasn't a good place to play. The coaches weren't." positive it was just it wasn't a great place to play and that you know you saw that effect on the field um 
But Hugh Williams, you know, he was here back when the team was winning championships. He was assistant coach to uh, Vlako Andzingovsky, who is, of course, now the US Women's National Team head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an assistant there and he was also general manager. He had to have winning culture. Um, he's instilling a more positive atmosphere around the team. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the team, you've got Scotland national team captain Rachel Corsi at the back. Um, you know, Abby Smith is a great goalkeeper. She's been going, she's been a starting out for a couple of seasons. Desiree Scott at the six. Uh, you know, you work your way up the field. Um, Lola Bonta, a great player, also actually uh, engaged. Andres Spinoza on Sports and KC as well. I'm, to- I'm talking to Emily, this is a two o'clock, I'll be fun. Um, Amy Rodriguez up top, she scored the goal against uh, Portland over, over the weekend. So you know, they have a lot of really good players and then you brought in, they brought in good players too. Uh, you know, Mariano Arroquette, they brought in Argentinian international. Um, they brought in Jorzen Listro, uh, who, you know, she... She actually stopped playing soccer for a couple of years, I and mean, she was on Orlando for a short while during their, their COVID crisis, and now she's been picked up. Um, not a new player to the team, but relatively new to the league, Kate Delfara. You know, she was a midfielder uh, for Indiana State, and now she's dropped back to uh, she's dropped back to play defense next to Rachel Corsi. Again, another great player. So, no, it's, it's a team with a lot of talents. Again, I'm not expecting them to go out and, you know, win a, a cup right off the bat. I think you have, you have to acknowledge that the NC Courage, obviously, they've been a cream of the crop for the last couple of years. Yeah. Portland Forms is always solid. as the OL Reign. Um, you know, they have, they have the backing of Leon from France now as well. So, I think those are probably your three front runners, but you know, if, if Kansas City makes a push and steals fourth place or even nicks into third uh, for the uh, for the playoffs, you know, I think that'd be a really, really successful season for them. Yeah, I think you're right. It should be fun, uh, no question about that. Last thing before we let you go, Sean, I, I do want to ask you: uh, the U.S. men's national team missed the Olympics. War, where, where is the U.S. men's team at right now? Uh, I mean, we, we, we've had this conversation before. It seems like things aren't changing. Where are they at right now? Oh, Tyler, Tyler, you have uh, you just opened another can of worms there, bud. <laughs> I um, right, right after it happened, I appeared on um, a good friend of ours, Griffin Hughes. He runs General Admission Sports on uh, Twitter, on uh, YouTube. That's a promo for him. You're welcome, Griff. Um, <laughs> I, I jumped on uh, and we talked about this subject for an hour. Uh, I, I think US soccer as a whole, so the big thing with missing the Olympics is, um, you know, basically the US is forced to send out a U23 team just because of the rules. You allowed a couple of players over U23, but not many. But the issue is, I, I don't think it's a reflection of, um, you know, a, a tough future for US men's soccer. You know, it's not like we're going to be condemned to a future of losing to Honduras with our first team. I think the huge issue was with this was the team that was put out, the U23 team, it was nowhere near, near what it could have been. It was basically a D team. You know, there was a couple of good players on there, but at the same time, the 
que assim e team que eu off playing friendlies against uh, I think one of them was Wales and yeah another it was games got done or Ireland sorry Ireland and it was games got don't necessarily matter but they were sending you know Gio Rainer and Christian Pulisic and Weston McKenney and even you know guys a little bit lower down the pecking order and guys like that Eunice Musa all of these guys get great players get playing in Europe they, they could and they should have been playing for the U23 team beating Honduras and qualifying for the Olympics and the US is acting like you know, ah, oh, this this isn't important. You're acting like a, a European royalty. Like I sit here, you know, I'm English and England didn't make the last Olympics. They failed to qualify. But everyone knows the talents that English soccer has. I mean, we just made a World Cup semi-final in 2018. There isn't a concern about the talent level in England. And we missed the Olympics and we're like, ah, you know, it's not the end of the world. But for the US men's national team and just US soccer... They need to make a statement. If if the US qualifies for the World Cup, sends out a first team of some of the players I just mentioned and goes on and makes not a World Cup, so it qualifies for the Olympics. Um, goes on and you know wins the Olympics, even makes finals to semi-finals. That's like the US saying, Hey, you know, we're here to stay. I mean, some of the teams that have won the Olympics in recent years, it's Brazil, it's Germany, it's Italy, you know, all all footballing nations. But you are acting like, ah, you know, we, we don't need to focus that much on the Olympics and we can throw us our D team. And it's backfired yet again. Uh, and I just think all it's doing is harming US soccer. You're acting like it's a, a, a B class, you know, a, a second class competition that they shouldn't care about when it's the bloody Olympics and you're US soccer, you're not England, you're not France, you're not Germany. Go out and win a damn competition and stop acting like you're above it. That's my issue with it all. I love the passion, the enthusiasm there, Sean. I think that's a good place to uh, end our conversation today. Oh, Follow us on uh, Twitter at Sean Goodwin KC. Sean, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and I want to have you on again in the future. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, always happy. I'll, I'll try and lock my cat away next time so he's not trying to escape mid podcast. Sean Goodwin, KFC Star, joining us. Big thanks to Sean Goodwin for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor is here with us. For Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Give Bo a call, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today online at O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com as well as OAGKS.com. You can check them out for more information there and also on Facebook. Bolt, how are we doing? What's going on at OAG? You guys are getting close to the uh, grand opening of the new office, right? Yeah, we'll be we'll be opened a week from Monday on the, uh, whatever day it is, the 5th, I think that is. It's the 4th. I the 4th, suggest yeah, May, May the 4th. So okay. we are going to bump it up a day from the 5th to the 4th to Monday. And uh, so we'll be open in the office all day on the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. And I love it. May the 4th be with me as I try to get this all squared away. And you're welcome for that. That was my idea. That was your idea, Jonesy. Um, so, yeah, we're getting ready. We're, we're getting all hyped up and moved in here. Thomas is making faces in the Zoom call here. It was, we're doing this looking like Sergeant Slaughter lost 100 pounds and did some, <laughs> did some meth before the hand. 
<laughs> well, who's to say he did it? Hey, you know, I mean, you know. You're damn right. <laughs> Getting all that good Tulsa math. Tom, are you are you actually are you actually searching sliders like Long Lost Child? Do what? Are you Sergeant Slaughter's long lost child? I don't know how to ask my mom. I don't know. You got that mustache and the thing goes right down to here. And then, you know, yeah, it's right there. That's the face right there. That was it. That was the one right there. Yeah. The jaw. Yeah. Yeah. If you folks could see us right now and see us on the Zoom call, you'd, you know, you'd be laughing your asses off right now. Yeah, they'll be confused. Anyway. Jonesy, this, this is your podcast. You keep moving on. Keep the thing moving. Let's go. Let's keep it on. Uh, Bo, let's, uh, let's start with uh, Jadivion Clowney. I still felt like this guy is more known for that one play in college, and he rode that all the way to being the number one pick of the draft, uh, you know, several years ago and, you know, ended up with the Texans. It was okay, the Texans, but now he finds himself – himself in a Cleveland after spending some time in Seattle, one year, $10 million deal. And there's a couple things that I have that come to mind on this ball. And this is where I bring you in. First off for Cleveland, this is a team that we already thought was the second best team in the AFC. And you have miles Garrett, there, a really good defense. The rich just got richer. They're going to be incredible on defense. But the second part of it goes back to, Something that you and I have talked about for several weeks now, that with the cap going down, that we were going to see more short-term contracts this offseason. Guys taking discounts with hopes of next offseason getting that payday. Took a while for Clowney to get paid. He's not old by any means. To me, this seemed like a great example of a guy betting on himself now for that long-term payoff. Yeah, I think he looked at that, looked at this thing two ways. They looked at it partially that way, saying, hey, where can I go where I'm going to have either ridiculous numbers or I'm going to have at least have less blockers? He's not going to see any double or sometimes triple teams that he saw the last couple of years. Um, you know, with Miles Garrett in the same defense, he's just not going to have that. And he's got a chance to get in the ring. I mean, he's going to have a legit chance to get in the ring in, in, in Cleveland. And for that – did not sound right. A legit chance to get a ring in Cleveland, no matter what the sport. That doesn't sound right, but uh, he does. The Browns are good, and uh, this is a great pickup for them. This is going to make their DBs better. It's going to make their whole defense better. Uh, Miles Garrett's going to see a lot of single, single, um, single blockers now. You just can't you can't double team both of them. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'd hate to be in third and long against these guys because they're going to be coming. Well, and it makes such a difference, too, when you can only rush three or four and drop back so much. I mean, you, you want to look at an example, Bo. Take example this Bucks team. When they weren't healthy, we saw what happened when uh, the Chiefs picked them apart in the regular season. Then they got everybody back for that Super Bowl. Everybody was healthy for that playoff run, and they were effective with the pass rush against Patrick Mahomes without even needing to rush more than four or five. I mean, it it was – that's the recipe. We've seen that, and the Browns have that recipe that uh, you you saw with uh, Tampa Bay last year in that sense. Yeah, I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think one, it's definitely a response to the Chiefs. It's the Browns saying, hey, we know we're going to be there with you guys. we got to design our team to – to get after the quarterback. 
But also, I tell you what the team I think it looks a lot like. I think it looks like those Colts teams, those Manning Colts teams. High-octane offense, can score a lot of points. And then if they get ahead in games, you now have uh, Clowney and Miles Garrett getting after the quarterback the same way you used to see with uh, uh, Dwight Freeney and um, – oh, it's escaping me now. The other outside guy that the Colts had those years where they can just get after you and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming because you're, you're having to throw the ball because you're down. So I think it's a really great move. I think it's a great move for the player. I think it's a great move for the team. I do think it's you know, kind of a twofold thing where it's like, hey, we're going to design this fast, quick-paced offense. They're going to score a lot of points already on offense. Now they got a defense that's going to make it hard for you to score points against. This is a direct response to the Chiefs as well. And uh, I haven't seen a schedule, but uh, I don't think the schedule's out yet. So I uh, would love to know – I know that have they released who plays who yet? Uh, the, they have. Do, the, do the Browns play the Chiefs in the regular season? Uh, I do not believe so. So we may not get that till a playoff match. Actually, yes, yes, they do. I, I, I'm, I'm mistaken. Okay. They play in Kansas City. Okay, get tickets now. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, when uh, when that day comes around, as far as that goes. Deshaun Watson, new lawsuit filed. Plaintiffs, their uh, names have been revealed as well in all this. Um, now we're looking at Bo, the way this is escalated. You know, we, we've seen this piece by piece, right? At first it was, okay, I guess he's not leaving Houston. Then it was, all right, well, he's not starting this season. Now, begs the question, will Deshaun even play next year now? I right now, if I was a betting man, he certainly won't be there at the beginning of the season. The only way this thing gets done where he plays at all in 2021 is if there's a settlement out of court. And it'd be quick. It's going to be soon. Um, I don't think Deshaun Watts is playing in 2021 unless there's something big time quick happens. Um, <laughs> we've been really careful in our conversations about the Deshaun Watson thing. I've been picked my words very carefully. I'm not going to pick my words as carefully this week. Deshaun Watson really jacked this up quite a bit. And he hired, he hired the best lawyer in Houston and Rusty Harden. I guess the guy that got Roger Clemens out of, uh, uh, out of perjury for lying to Congress. It's the same guy who I'm going to read some of these to you. I looked this up earlier. I knew some things about him. He defended Joel Olstein's wife in a civil lawsuit against Continental Airlines. He defended Adrian Peterson when Adrian Peterson was accused of child abuse. Uh, he represented Wade Boggs in the thing with, um, um, oh, I can't think of her name now, the mistress he had back when, who, thought, who tried to assume he was a common law wife. Uh, he has... Worked with Scotty Pippen, Warren Moon, Rudy Tomjanovich. The one that stands out to me, though, is Roger Clemens and that uh, deal. But now. I was really waiting for you to say Michael Vick and Casey Anthony, but. No, no. The, the other one was. Oh, there was another good one. Oh, he represented um, J. Howard Marshall's family. I don't know if you know who that is. But J. Howard Marshall's family was the family that sued when their father died. He was married to Anna Nicole Smith so before you guys were probably born. And this is the attorney that got 
the family did not have to pay Anna Nicole Smith off. This guy has won high-profile cases. Now, having said that, he's totally fucking this up. Um, every move he makes, he is um, he's trying to put pressure back on the other side, and the other side is just going, eh, we'll go ahead and do this. First, it was, well, it's just a couple of cases, and then 20 cases come out. Then it was, well, now we're going to attack the credibility of the witness. You know, if you can't argue the law, you got to argue, you know, you got to attack the, attack the, the you know, defendant. They attacked the defendant. The next tactic was, well, if they don't put their names on it, then how do we know that uh, this is all real? And then 20 ladies have now come forward and put their name on it. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's in a lot of trouble, guys. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't see a way out of it for him. Uh, at this point, I'm not really rooting for him either. And I don't know if Rusty Harden has some kind of magic trick, but he better come up with his best one so far. He's going to get Deshaun Watson out of this because well, this one's not going to happen. And, you know, it, it doesn't take an expert to, you know, look at the situation and realize how bad it is for Deshaun Watson and just the stuff that doesn't add up. I mean, I, I heard OJ, freaking OJ of all people, say that, hey, look, I've had – four massage parlors, you know, massage therapists in my entire life. You know, what's with all these massage therapists that he's yeah. had? And, you know, he's not denied that these people were his massage therapists. I mean, there's just some stuff that uh, doesn't add up that, that's, that's so fishy here. Now, granted, yes, due process. You let things play itself out. Absolutely. But, I mean – the what's presented in front of us, it, it speaks for itself, Bo. Yeah, I'm usually the guy who says give someone the benefit of a doubt, but there's just too many, there's too many stupid coincidences. Mm-hmm. You know, you first he says, so this again, go back to the rusty hard thing. He's letting the bad information get out. So Watson doesn't doesn't say he doesn't question that he's been with these women. He's saying some were consensual and others were. Um, it's not unusual to have this many massage therapists. And all I'm thinking is, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, even in, they, try to, they try to say, well, it was COVID times. Well, especially in COVID times, you're not going to see 20 separate people. I mean, that he is making every poor step you can make on this. Mm-hmm. I yeah, unless Rusty Harden has some kind of ace up his sleeve like never before, Deshaun Watson's not playing football in 2021, and he's probably lost every dime he's ever made. Yeah, the endorsements are already uh, going away, and, I mean, it's not looking good for Deshaun. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned, Bo, I think it was a week or two ago when we talked to you about this. You know, you, you come from a unique perspective of that, you know, you've been a media guy, you know, you went to school, you went to journalism school and you've been a coach. And so I'm curious where you come at. I, I know where I feel, but, you know, to get your outside perspective, why do you think that a lot of the media is trying to bury this story or not talk about it, you know, the least amount possible? We've done our jobs. We've been all over this from the jump. We've given this fair coverage. We've been fair to all sides. Sides. 
Do you think this doesn't fit a narrative of some of the media out there, why they're trying to ignore this story? I, I think that part of it is there's no new information. You know, um, it's hard when you don't have new stuff every day. You know, we, we have a short cycle of the news now. This news cycle is 24 hours. And if we don't have something new, well, now it's old. I think that's part of it. Uh, we have information that's so, it's so quick to get out. So now when we do hear something, it's kind of pointless. Um, but it's new in a way. This is, we were joking beforehand, and I said something about, you know, what we kind of need here is like Sean Watson to go to court against all 22 women, and we need an OJ trial out of this. We're just something every single day yeah. to get us by. But, you know, and I don't want to see something like that. It's a waste of a lot of different things we could argue about. But, you know, without new information, yeah, it just kind of runs through the cycle because there's always something new and fresh. I think that's what we're seeing, at least on the sports journalism side. I think also part of it now is that we've got games. So if you're watching, you know, um, you know, Get Up or things that are in the morning, or you're watching that stupid guy on uh, Fox Sports or FS1, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, the one I really don't like, the the uh, Skip. Oh yes, yes, yeah, Skip the Lou. Um, I hate that guy. I don't even to, I don't even use his whole name anymore. Screw that guy. Um, I call him Skip. Anyway, that's that's well put. Yeah, the guy doesn't the guy doesn't believe anything were to come out of his own mouth. That guy. So anyway, um, you know, there's other things to talk about. You know, and then we have the if you will look at like the major news outlets, like like who you work for, like you know, CNN, like Fox News. You know, the political thing is a big deal, and so we always have something new there. So that's going to get pushed to the forefront. Yeah, it's just the newness of it. If we have new evidence, if something new comes out, a new development, then yeah, Deshaun Watson gets pushed back to the front. Otherwise, we may not hear anything for a little while. He's in trouble though. Yeah, and it's going to be a little while. And and we don't adjudicate you know cases this quickly, especially civil cases. Mm-hmm. This is going to take a long time. It will. It will. Uh, so. Let's move on. The uh, NFL offseason programs that have been going on for uh, quite some time, we're hearing teams, the Seahawks, the Broncos, a few others are pulling out of the voluntary offseason programs. And the NFLPA is not discouraging everybody from pulling out, though. Teams like the Chiefs pay really well for doing the voluntary offseason programs and such. Um Bo, do you think teams pulling out, players pulling out of these offseason programs, they are voluntary. Um, do you think it's a big deal at all? Do you think that's m- much of anything? I think the per- people it hurts the most are deeper on the roster and rookies. People who are competing for jobs and rookies. That's people, that's people who are going to hurt. Is it going to hurt Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill? No. No, it's going to hurt the guy who's battling for the 53rd man spot. It's going to hurt the undrafted free agent. That's who's going to hurt. You know, so right now, I don't see any problem with it. I mean, look, air to the side of caution. I just looked at a minute ago, and, you know, in baseball, we're seeing where some, some teams are having players that are having to go on a temporary IL list just because they're COVID-related stuff. 
you know, be safe, get through this, you know, you know, if you, you know, what if you're a guy who goes and gets the vaccination and a lot of people are having, you know, issues with the second shot, you know, you get that second shot and all of a sudden you're sick for a couple of days, you know, don't, don't force them to come into voluntary or, or involuntary uh, or mandatory training camp. Just do what you got to do, get by. The people that hurt are always people who get hurt when there's a change. People at the lower end. Let's, uh, let's talk NFL draft now. Uh, we're just a few weeks away from the draft, and we spent a lot of time talking quarterbacks this week. And the angle I want to look at this week, Bo, um, who is the team? Obviously, everybody depends on the draft. Of course, it's how you build a roster. But who is the team that might be a player or two away or you know, really needs to make a splash that can – get themselves over the edge who, who needs to make be the most aggressive uh when it comes to this draft in your opinion that's a really good question um you get, after looking at the teams that need to come up the, the cincinnati Bengals jump out at me about that um I mean, they're a team that needs to get aggressive they're making some signings and doing some things to try to keep joe burrow happy you know my saying the Bengals don't deserve joe burrow um, we'll sneak that in there. But um, Cincinnati's a team. I think the Chargers are a team that need to have a good draft. Again, those teams who are especially in divisions with um, – who are in divisions with um, with elite teams, the teams that are trying to catch the Chiefs, teams that are behind the um, – you know, behind Baltimore. You know, so, so behind Baltimore and Cleveland. You know, Cleveland's that team right now, looks like. Um, another team be uh, anybody in the NFC East, you know, Giants, the Washington football team, the Cowboys, at least they all need something. And that draft is where they're going to have to get it. Um, anytime, any team trying to catch the Packers in their division. So I, I think to look to that tier, look to those teams. Who's those couple teams? Two off the top of my head, if they need a good draft, well, actually it's three. The Bengals need a good draft. The Chargers need a good draft, put around a young quarterback. The Raiders need a good draft because I don't know what the hell they're doing. So they just got to fill some roster spots, apparently. Um, yeah, so I, that's where I think they're at right now. Those are the, you asked me off the top of my head, and that's kind of top off the top of my head, my and my reasoning and rationale. But that's what I'm thinking. The team that comes to mind for me, Bo, is New England. Here's a team that – is going to get a lot of guys back that sat out last year. And, you know, Bill Belichick, of course, retooling that roster. They've made some nice changes. Um, that That's, to me, is the team that I'm looking at. Now you just lost Julian Edelman. He's retired. Um, that, to me, is the team that, you know, go get your franchise quarterback. Maybe you finally trade up and get the quarterback you want that – you know, Belichick hasn't been drafting quarterbacks like that before. Something like that, to me, I look at New England to try to make a move of some sorts to try to be aggressive here, which would be, I know, uncharacteristic for New England, historically speaking, but these are circumstances that they haven't been un in under Belichick either. I half agree with you on that. For the reasons you stated, they're pretty good reasons. Um, but Belichick tends to find the guys he wants, and he tends to find them through – you know, low-level free agency or making a trade off someone's roster, I think we're more apt to see the Patriots be the team that goes through, for lack of a better term, everybody else's trash. 
Yeah. You know, for the team that says, hey, this player's a good player, but he's not a fit for us. And Belichick goes, ah, that's the guy I like. He could be our Patriot guy. He can, he can do the Patriot way. I think you'll see that as much as you'll see the draft. Um, I do think they're a team that could look at a quarterback. This quarterback's thing, I'm still convinced one through four are going to be quarterbacks. I don't think that's changing. And uh, I'm going to – I'm going to th- think that the entire way up until draft day, unless the Falcons make a trade. But I think it's going to be one through four quarterbacks. And unless Belichick's got a quarterback that he really, really likes, I just don't see them making a trade for a quarterback in the, fir- the trade into the first round. It's just a very un-Bill Belichick kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I-, I think if you're going to look at a Belichick guy, a quarterback, I think it's Kyle Trask. Okay. You can get yeah. him in the second, third, maybe even fourth round. Probably the second or third. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Speaking of uh, looking at this draft and such, um, obviously everybody's talking quarterbacks and whatnot, but the skill positions, Bo, correct me if I'm wrong here, this is a really good year for skill positions. Granted, last year we had, what was it, a record five or six wide receivers selected in the first round, but when you're looking at this year's group with Jamar Chase and uh, you know Devonta Smith and Kyle Pitts and all these guys here. This is quite the group for skill position players, and, and and I know that you and I aren't sold on these quarterbacks. Most of these skill position players, I have no problem with spending a high pick on. What say you? Yeah, I, again, if I'm picking who I think the best football player in this draft is, I still think it's Jamar Chase. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is the second best player in the draft. Uh, I do. I think he's great. And I think he's going to be one of those in a great situation. It, you go to a place where, you know, he's going to be used. I, I see Kyle Pitts being like George Kittle. Well, would he be, would he be, if you go back, would he be worthy of a first-round pick? You and I argued about that during the season. Yeah. You know, a guy like that, a tight end like that. Well, I've been a def- one of the things that's frustrated me is that you look at these tight ends – that time and time again, they've been overlooked, getting drafted way too low, have Hall of Fame careers like Gronk and Kelsey and these guys and get picked in the, you know, the dadgum third round. And, you know, Kyle Pitts, finally a tight end of value. And, and if you're somebody that doesn't value tight ends, fine, just call him a wide receiver. I don't care. Yeah, and that's – well, now you're seeing the tight ends are wide receivers. Yeah, wide receivers are built like tight ends, and tight ends are built like wide receivers. It's the matter they can get off the ball without being hit at the line of scrimmage, or if they can throw a block. Um, You know, that's different. There's only difference between Travis Kelsey and Ron Gronkowski versus, you know, a lot of the bigger receivers. I mean, they better getting off the block. Um, You know, I think that again, going back to the best two players are. If I was to say, hey, these are the best two players regardless of where they would be going, to me, it'd be Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. Now, I think Trevor Lawrence has an opportunity to be special at quarterback. I just don't like the fact he's going to Jacksonville. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, he said, I don't think he's set up for success. You know, you can say, well, they're doing this, they're doing this and doing this. There's no track record there. No whole organization. So, I mean, normally I'd be like, hey, I'd be excited for – I'd be more excited if Trevor Lawrence went number two to the Jets. I mean, it's a, I'd be like, oh, God, he's got a chance to be the best, to be the actual best career. 
I don't think he does in Jacksonville. I just think it's a bad deal. I think, you know, quarterbacks, we talked about this last week, are always overvalued. We've got these great receivers in this class. There's really just two or three of them that are really, really good. The argument we made, like we talked about last week, is that you got to get them the ball. But everybody has a quarterback who can get the receiver the ball. And everybody has a scheme to get the wide receiver the ball. So now I think there is some value there. Yeah. I think the biggest thing where you're seeing less value, though, is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going to see defensive players because the rules are so dictated on the offense now. Defensive players, unless they're just very, very special, just aren't going to be as valuable as they once were. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be they're starting they're starting two steps back in the race. Um, before we uh, talk some some college stuff, real quick, uh, one more NFL note for you: Julian Edelman. Uh, we mentioned that he retired and such. Really good career. Bo, I don't know about you, but I'm getting annoyed with the is he a Hall of Famer, is he not a Hall of Famer discussion because, first off, he's obviously not a Hall of Famer, but, two, that's okay. I mean, he had a great career with the Patriots. He was a Super Bowl MVP. That's fine. I mean, like, you know, he's an all-time Patriot great. Why why do we have to blow this out of proportion? Make a big deal. I mean, he's just not, and that's okay. Why why do we make that into a, a thing? It's it's fine that he's not a Hall of Fame player. That's okay. Yeah, we have to have something to talk about. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's, we have to have something to talk about. Well, this guy isn't great because he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Or this guy, hey man, he's had a really damn good career. Yeah, you did. There's every team at any point. In the history of the NFL, he would have made every single roster. Yeah. Now, does that mean he's a Hall of Famer? No. No, not necessarily. But he would have made any roster at any time in the NFL. So I'm not going to sit here and argue that Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. We don't think he should. But he's a really valuable player in a franchise that used him extremely well and got the most out of him, and he got the most out of them. Yeah. It's a win-win all around. Why do we – I agree with you. We have to argue about every little damn thing. You know, why can't a player just have a great career? Why does it have to be in the Hall of Fame? When we talked about the Hall of Fame two months ago, two, three months ago almost, we were talking about who's going to get in. It was the finalist, and we went through it, and they can only elect, what, seven, eight, something like that, and we went – there's 13 guys here. Yeah. They we're all worthy. You tell me which 13 can't, I mean, which, I mean, is Julian Edelman on that level? No, but that's fine. There's 53 men on a roster. It's 32 teams. Do the math. This a lot is, of players. This is what I figured out, Bo. You can apply this to almost any sport. Um, if you have to ask if somebody's a Hall of Famer, they're not a Hall of Famer. I can agree and disagree again. Um, I think it's a little harder in baseball. In football, I think if you're just you just know you're a Hall of Famer. I mean, you just know. I mean, in basketball, you just kind of know. But I think baseball is different. It's because of the statistics thing. You know, if you have so many stats over so many times, you're a Hall of Famer. Um, and then there's things where you kind of judge people differently now. But I do think that for the most part, your rule of thumb is right. I think it does apply in football. You either you are or you're not. I don't like the way the Football Hall of Fame chooses Hall of Famers in the first place. And so I think it just leaves too many guys out. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's just now going to the Hall of Fame. 
And Tony Dungy's been in for how long? How long did it take for John Madden to get in? Yeah, yeah. John Madden just alone. Yeah, I mean, John you know, Madden for the, the his work as a broadcaster and for the video game alone should have gotten in for that. Well, I know that John Madden once that he did not would not accept being in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for coaching. If it wasn't for being a coach, I know he said that. But I mean, again, some of these guys we let in the Hall of Fame. It's like, well, why couldn't someone like John Madden get in? Um, I, you know, player wise, you know, a Hall of Famer from a Hall of Famer. You know, um, uh, here's a great example: Megatron just got in. Mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I don't care what his stats are; that's he's a Hall of Famer. Right. Now, years before, Chad Johnson was playing. Is Chad Johnson a Hall of Famer? No. No. He thought he was when he was a player. He did that stupid thing on the sideline with the uh, jacket. And I was sitting there going, wait a minute. Um, you're not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> great. But, but same thing. Great player. Yeah. Really great player. One of the best at his position in his era. He's just not a Hall of Famer. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to not be a Hall of Famer. Well, and, and folks, being a Hall of Famer is better than being a Super Bowl champion. There's only eight yes. Hall of Famers that get in each year. There's 53 yes. guys that get Super Bowl rings every year. Yes. Uh, I would rather be in the Hall of Fame than win a Super Bowl. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the place kicker gets a ring. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, the, the, the water boy gets a ring. He doesn't get a Hall of Fame bust, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's some, and it's some people, especially in the quarterbacks – you know, we have to argue, and then the argument's always the ring thing. You know, again, I'll argue to the death. Peyton Manning's just as good as anybody else. Dan Marino, just as good as anybody else. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Dan Marino's a better quarterback than Joe Montana. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just was. You can uh, watch him and see it. As far as Edelman goes, real quick. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we got sidetracked there. Yeah, we did. As far as that one goes, just real quick. If uh, if he decides to unretire, you know, I'm sure that he would listen if somebody gave him a phone call of some sorts. I know the guy was banged up a bit last year, but still a solid, you know, slot receiver towards the end here. If Brady or if the Chiefs come calling, those are the first two that come to mind. Um, maybe he changes his mind even through midway through the season or something here. I mean – I think the guy could still play and potentially help somebody get a ring for the right price. Yeah. I mean, for the right price, I, I I think he's done. I think he's been done for a year or so. I just, I don't know what his contract status is. I'm not going to go look it up right now, but uh, I just don't feel like it. I could, I could pull it up, but I'm not going to. Um, I don't think it's likely. I could see if the bucks are in week eight, and someone gets hurt. Yeah. Maybe it's a phone call you make. But, um, you know, the, the Patriots, I would assume, still have his rights. I don't know what his salary situation is. No, know. he got caught before he got. Oh, did he? Okay. I did not know that. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if he just retired or if it was a cut thing. So. Right. Um, yeah. It's always the thing that you want to look for is to see if the player actually files his retirement paperwork. That's what Favre kept doing. He kept not filing his paperwork. And everything you'd hear those little whispers where Brett Favre still hasn't retired to send his paperwork in. Right. Start your pension. Get it done. Let's go. Right. 
Let's get it on. Get on with your bad self. Uh, last one for you. Let's talk college football real quick. Um, Claire, the NCAA has a new one-time transfer rule. The previous rule language about the school needing to grant a release went away and the head coach of the certifying institution and athlete must certify that there was no tampering, but there's no longer any blocking mechanism for coaches because the new one-time transfer rule is going to take effect immediately. This is applicable to be to transfer athletes seeking to be eligible for the 2021 through 2022 academic year. So it starts this fall right away. You can transfer without a coach getting in the way. You can transfer in conference and you can be immediately eligible. Bo, this is a game changer. We officially have free agency in college sports. I love it. That's, that's exactly what it is, free agency. It's, a, it's an opportunity for free agent. It made recruiting a whole hell of a lot harder. Because now you've got to get – you bring in two top quarterbacks. You're a top team. You bring in – you're Oklahoma. And you bring in two five-star quarterbacks. You know one's leaving after a season. Mm-hmm. No matter what you say to the second quarterback, we love you. Hey, we think you're great. This is just the player we're going with right now. But we'll redshirt you and then we'll give you the chance. He's going to leave for three years. That's all done. It's all done. For the tip top players, now you're always recruiting. You don't stop recruiting when someone signs now. And Until now, someone signs. I think also one of the changes, and we, we kind of saw this in college basketball with the way Baylor won the national title with all those transfers they had, we can no longer judge a team's offseason by their recruiting class. I mean, those mm-hmm. – uh, you, you look at Oklahoma right now. I, I saw something that if you factored in their transfers with their recruiting ratings, Oklahoma would have like the number two or three recruiting class now. I mean, that's something we got to think about now, too, is it's not just your high school players anymore. You got to think about your whole offseason is about what transfers you bring in. Yeah, you got to look at that. And then you've got to look at assistant coaches now, too. You know, you, you've got to hold on to your coaching staff and say, well, wait a minute, you know, this guy recruited this kid, and we want this kid to stay. We can't let that coach go. Yeah. Whether that's to another team or to move up to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, it, it's bringing in a lot of different factors. It's going to be interesting. There's a, We talked a little bit about this last week with the name and likeness stuff, too. College sports is about to have a huge facelift. And it is going to be so different in the next few years, especially football and men's basketball, that it's just going to look – it is not going to look like what our, our dad's college football looked like. I mean, guys are moving around, and, and you're just not going to see, especially the best players. If they're not playing immediately, they're going to leave and go somewhere where they can play because they're thinking about the next level. I'll end on this, ball. Um, I like all of it. It all sounds good to me. Is there anything that concerns you at all? Is there any red flags at all for you as far as this new transfer rule stuff goes? So the red flag to me is just that it's young people in general and they get the opportunity to move and they don't get to see what dealing with some adversity is. And I think that that's a generational thing. Um, I'll bring up the example. It's a basketball example, but I'll bring up the example of a pro right now. That's Kevin Durant. You know, a lot of people, I was listening to something this past week, Kevin Durant's thought of as being kind of soft. 
You know, in high school, he played for four different teams. He wanted to be the man in all four. You know, he walked in, he played a season, he left, he went to the next place, so on and so forth. He goes to the NBA, he goes to Texas, he's there for a year, he's great. Goes to the NBA, moves around, he goes to um, the Warriors. You know, now he's in New Jersey. And, you know, he's one of those guys that he really has never had to handle adversity. And now he's great. Don't get me wrong. And he, he's nothing wrong with the, with the man. But what I'm saying is that we're going to have this whole generation of top players who have never dealt with any sort of adversity. And that's going to be kind of strange. You know, what happens when the tires hit the road? You know, what happens when your body gives out a little bit? Or what happens when someone's just better and you don't decide to step your will up and your game up and your your effort up that's where i see some some issues i i think it's the right thing for the players to have that freedom i just am concerned about the young people themselves in those life lessons parts of it i do have that concern you know but you have to take the good with the bad and that's the bad part is that we're going to see some some team hopping and some of the stuff's going to happen. Yeah, it's a great point. Brian O'Connor, check him out online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Hey, thank you. A couple more things before we get out of here on today's show. Let's talk NBA now. And in the association, the big news of the week, some very unfortunate news as Jamal Murray – of the Nuggets, Torres ACL. He is done for the year. And, you know, twofold on that, Tom, starting there. First off, hate it for Murray. This is a guy that has really come along and been a fun player to watch. Uh, I hate it for his sake, the bad health, but also for the Nuggets, too. This is a team that's emerged, that's, be- that's come a long way, that is a title contending team this year. And now they're going to be without one of their best players. I I get it. Jokic is probably going to be the MVP at this point, but hard to imagine them making a deep run of sorts without Murray involved. I mean, last year's playoffs in the bubble, Murray was electric. Uh, I mean, that the series between them and the Jazz versus him and Spida together, you know, Donovan Mitchell, that was one of the most exciting series I've watched in a long time. Um, and so for him to go down, you know, I feel for the Nuggets. I feel for the fans of the Nuggets. I feel for just the fans of the NBA. Uh, I mean, Murray is, you know, a integral part of, I wouldn't just call him top-tier superstar, but I, he his play is electrifying, and it's good for – NBA, it's good for ratings. It was good for the Nuggets. Um, and now uh, kind of a dark horse team in the Nuggets. They're always kind of dark horsey, um, at least here recently, is now without him for the rest of the season. The good thing, Jones, about this, and, you know, it, it happens. It always happens to somebody. The good thing about his injury, if you can take one positive away, is an ACL tear is not a death sentence in the NBA anymore or in all of sports, really, just because medical technology has come so far. Um, tearing your ACL is not the end of the world. Um, knock on wood, because if I walk out my front door tomorrow and slip and fall and tear an ACL, 
that was that would be my luck. But that being said, um, Jones, a lot of people have talked about his ACL tear in terms of the NBA taking on games the way they have and the fact that there is less rest day in between. A lot of people counterpointed that, saying that the Nuggets, while, yes, they did play five games in seven nights, Jamal Murray was only back for that fifth game. Um, I guess he was already kind of somewhat coming off an injury and played, and and that happened to him, unfortunately. But um, that brings up another NBA point on how many games that these teams are playing and how that can be related to, you know, cause more injuries. Uh, Again, I'll go with a familiar approach here because it's what I know. The Spurs, for example, just played five games in seven nights. They have a day off, and then they play another five games in seven nights. So a total of 10 games in 15 days. Um, And that's not only the Spurs. I, I only say the Spurs because I follow them so closely. That's a lot of these teams. And so while... Murray didn't play in but one of those five games in seven nights. Um, the people who are saying that that this could cause more injuries do come from a decent point. Right. Um, they do. Now, the, the other thing that comes to mind, too, is you look at this Nuggets team, they have talent. If they are to make a run of something now – Who's got to be the guy to step up and, you know, replace the load of some sorts? You know, I don't know. I thought, I thought you were going to say who was the guy that's going to need to step up and why is it Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's who I was thinking is Michael Porter Jr. He, he's he can do it. Um, he's capable. I think he's the future of that franchise here. Um, I don't – I don't think they're going back to the Western Conference Finals again, Tom, but if they have any chance of getting back there, Michael Porter's got to take got to be the guy. And he can do it. He 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 kind of oozes that superstar capability from time to time. He can do it. Uh, maybe that's his coming out party of some sorts, but unfortunately with Murray down, I mean, you're right. They're not making it back to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I mean, Mike Malone, well, I've been a hard critic on Mike Malone and still can be. Uh, I mean, I can't say he's done a terrible job. I mean, partially due to Murray, partially due to Jogic, but, um, you know, great coaches don't survive without great players. And, you know, they seem to be making it work in a smaller market of Denver. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean, I like the Nuggets. I like what they're doing. And, and Jogic. Jokic, by the way, I, I said he'll probably be the MVP, and he's the MVP favorite. Did anyone see that one coming at the beginning of the year? I mean, everyone was talking about Kawhi and Giannis and LeBron and and you know Harden, Durant, you know, and, and such. This was come out of left field. If he wins this, uh, I want to go back and look at the odds. I would think this would be one of the biggest long shot MVPs, maybe since Steve Nash won his first MVP or something. You know, I was going to say Jokic is essentially just a big, tall Steve Nash. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he is. He, I mean, he's a hell of a passer. He, he's a facilitator. And in that, that size, it's pretty incredible. 
another thing to think about is obviously Kawhi and, and you know, LeBron has been out, hurt. Uh, I think Giannis may have even spent some time out. Um, Harden, you know, transferring from the Rockets, whatever. He's, it didn't take away from the season he's having. But, you know, I, I think with him being on the Nets, yes, you have Kyrie and KD. I know they're out right now, you know, not playing. KD, I think, set out tonight, um, the night we're recording this, and um, they played Philadelphia, and Philly had some KD sucks chance, and he was on the sideline clapping. But, uh, I I mean, I think for Jogic, he's been the most consistent. He's been the most, if not – I mean, you call most valuable player, most important player to his team by far. And the reason for the Nuggets' success, I mean, is Jokic. I mean, Murray's good. Porter's good. They have some other good pieces on that team. But the reason that the Nuggets are what the Nuggets are is because of Nikola Jokic. And that's it's simple. Uh, He deserves it. He wins it. I'm for it. I like him a lot. Yeah. The Nets have been an interesting story, probably the story of the NBA all season with what they've assembled with that roster. And we see Kyrie step out for a bit with family issues. We, we've seen him kind of, you know, have these moments before where he seems checked out of some sorts. Um, you know, if he's got family issues that that's legit and such, then that's one thing. But uh, and, and wish him well, wish his family well and all that. But I, I, I feel like I would be naive to not at least pause for a second and, and think, okay, what's, what's going on here? Am I, am I too far in saying that, Tom? No, a lot of people have also said that, um, you know, Kyrie has claimed Islam here as of recently, um, and he's going through his first Ramadan currently. Which, you know, shout out to them. You know, if, if he wants to do that, fine. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own beliefs and religious beliefs. Um, and part of and part of Islam is Ramadan. And, and I can only imagine going through Ramadan. And if you're not familiar, that's pretty much, I mean, you are, but those listening. Ramadan is essentially fasting from dusk till dawn. Um, and that includes going all day without food or water. Um, you know, you, you start when the sun comes up essentially, or a lot of people start at four 30 in the morning and you go till eight 30 at night. Um, no food, no water. Um, and for an athlete, no food, no water on a game day or a game that's played in the middle of the day, maybe on a weekend, that's not going to go so hot. Um, try running up and down the court with no water. Um, and, and see how that works out for you, let alone an athlete whose body needs that, requires it. Um, so, you know, there's a few other Muslim players in the NBA. Um, Al-Fariq Aminu is one of those. Um, and, and, the, and the thing about it, Ramadan falls differently every year. So I'm pretty sure it does. It's It's like different days throughout the year. So there are years that, you know, the NBA season's not going on. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Kyrie, choosing to, um, you know, take on Islam as a religion, that's what's happening. This would be his first Ramadan, and I'm sure he's getting f***ed by it right now because 
I can't imagine trying to do that and run down a court and try to maintain a high level of play. A lot of people are saying that. Yeah. Um, how about surprises this year in the NBA? Um, the Sixers being a one seed in the East, that's a bit of a surprise. Atlanta's a four. The, the Jazz. Being even above 500 in the playoffs, a six seed. Uh, the Suns. The Suns being a two seed right now. The Grizzlies being a borderline playoff team. Um, you know, at Golden State, this was supposed to be the year that they were back, that they were back to glory of some sorts. They're outside looking in on the playoffs right now. So this this has been a very fascinating NBA regular season so far to this point. Tom, of all those things we just mentioned, what is the biggest surprise at this point? To me, it's Phoenix, but I feel like there's a few different correct answers there. Yeah, I mean, there is there's so many surprises this year and and you know we didn't necessarily expect it but maybe we should have coming off a weird year like covid um but you know i guess you know you you mentioned the suns and that's a good one that's a really good one um you know for as a fan not a fan of chris paul just because he always seems to take whatever team to the promised land but I guess I guess my biggest surprise probably Utah Jazz, uh, one seed in the Western Conference with all that other star power going on. I mean, the Utah Jazz are the one seed in the Western Conference. How is it going to play out come playoff time? Who knows? But um, I mean, if you had to tell me the Jazz were going to be maintaining the one seed this long throughout the regular season. At the beginning of the season, I'd have been like, no, no, no. It's going to be the Lakers or, you know, the Clippers or, you know, we, you mentioned the Warriors. You know, this was going to be their comeback here and they're fighting for a playoff spot. So, uh, to me, it's the Jazz. And then next after that's probably the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. And I still feel, though, Tom, that – I know that we had a shocker last year in the heat going from a five seed to being in the NBA finals, but I still have this feeling in my head that yes, great story with the jazz. Yes. Great story with the Suns. but when things come around, it's going to be either the Lakers or the Clippers out of the West. And it's probably going to be the Nets out of the East um, that, you know, some of these teams are kind of lollygagging of some sorts that the, the moment in the sun, no pun intended, will come to an end for some of these teams like Phoenix of some sorts. I'm still not buying them to get over the edge, that next hump to get into the finals. Great season, yes, of course. Give credit where credit's due. But I'm still not completely sold yet. No, neither am I. And it's and for the Suns who've been so miserable for so long, uh, it's, a, it's a good start. And you had mentioned Philly earlier on, you know, how good their season has been. Um, again, it looks like maybe moving on from Brett Brown was the correct procedure, process, no pun intended. Um, but, I mean, it's worked out for them so far. So, but those, you know, the, speaking of those two teams, the Suns and the 76ers, it's uh, not their time yet. But I, I do think their time could be coming. Yeah. Yeah, very well could be. All right, 
Uh, final segment before we get out here today. Time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we're going to the internet. The greatest place on earth. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and for this guy, it that holds true. There's a lot of things on the internet, Jones. And Jones, before I start this, are you on Tinder or Bumble or any one of those several dating apps on on the World have, Wide Web? I have in the past. I'm not active on them, though. I am currently not on any. I this guy, Jones, this is maybe this is the new one for you because this guy found love there. And I'm, you know, I'm sure if you can find love here and you can find it anywhere. Man announces retirement from Pornhub after finding loyal soulmate. <laughs> okay. From the New York Post's article reads This guy finally got his happy ending. That's an incredible lead right there. I mean, you're not going to find it anywhere else but the New York Post. Julian Edelman's viral re- retirement tweet may have been moving, but it's got nothing on this former Pornhub devotee who announced that he's done with the skin, the skin flick site after finding true love. A screenshot of the touching farewell speech currently boasts over 400,000 likes and 65,000 retweets on Twitter. Boys, I'm not here to watch, but to announce my retirement wrote the reform porn addict who goes by little jw1 on the site i have officially found the one person who is right for me he goes on to describe his non-webcam soulmate as a brilliant beautiful and loyal person who makes him happy every time he wakes up speaking about why he left the digital sex bazaar uh, little J-Dub one said that watching hardcore pornos why such in a committed relationship felt wrong Almost as if he was cheating. So much for the sexpert opinion that porn can improve your love life. He concluded, I hope one day that you guys are reading this, that, that are reading this, find the same thing I have. I know you all will miss me and I will miss you. Needless to say, the announcement took Twitter by storm with fans joking, praising the ex-Pornhub trustee's farewell address. Farewell, fellow soldier. Our platoon will remain here on the battlefield, still searching for the number one video, wrote another social media tourist in jest. Rest easy now, brother. We will take it from here. Another joke that the message was among the top 10 most romantic things I've ever seen. However, some were skeptical that the user quit Pornhub of his own volition. Girlfriend standing behind him as he types the message, quip one Twitter wit. Others took the opportunity to share screenshots of other jarringly wholesome comments on Pornhub. Sincere or not, the retirement speech comes amid a raging debate over whether porn is bad for your health. Certain studies claim that watching online whoopee can improve one's sex life and promote gender equality. Our countervailing research says that it can conversely destroy relationships, up the chances of erectile dysfunction, Insert the Bluetooth slash Roman ad now <laughs> and even foster sexual violence. In December, a shocking expose revealed that Pornhub had been disseminating videos of rape and child sex abuse, prompting the site to crack down on, a le- on illegal content. Jones, they do these on Reddit from time to time. They're, What's the most ridiculous comment that you've seen on yada yada site? This one being on Pornhub. Jones, 
I this is that I'm, I'm walking on a damn landfill of minds right now because I don't know what I want to say here to to <laughs> yeah I don't know what I want to say. Uh, there's a lot of things I could say and there's a lot that I won't say, but n- no one's going to Pornhub to write comments. I mean, obviously this guy is. The the people who leave comments on porn pornos, I I don't understand. <laughs> So, I'm not too familiar with Pornhub. Um, and so, you're saying that this doesn't happen regularly? People leaving comments on the videos? Now you're trying to you're trying to Tucker Carlson, Matt Gates me here. Um, I, for one, am, <laughs> see, this one's it's a, it's, it's a minefield here. Um <laughs> I'm saying as a generalization, I don't believe the average person that consumes pornographic material on the reg goes to these sites just to leave comments and that the ones that do are strange cats. Do you think that he found his significant other through the comment section? Mm, I there could be chance. I guarantee you that there have been two people that have met and have fallen in love. There are so many people in this world on a porno's comment section. I guarantee it. I guarantee it won't be me because even if I do partake, I'm definitely not leaving a comment. <laughs> I'm not leaving any trace. You know, You're I, using I that incognito mode on Google Chrome. Yeah, I mean, it tells you how many people are trying to track you. You know, trackers reported. I mean, I, you know, here's the funny thing. I don't even leave comments on Reddit, okay? And I'm a big Reddit fan. I, I just I just don't. I, I mean, I don't even do Facebook anymore. So what makes you think that I'm, a, you know, that I would leave a, a Pornhub comment? <laughs> now, you know, now I will say for my karaoke gigs, I have taken the name of the bar I do regularly and put that into the Pornhub font. Um, Just, and I get a lot of laughs. I put it out on Snapchat and said, you know, it's yada, yada karaoke tonight. And people were like, I see what you did there. (laughs) And I'm like, I see what you do. Uh, (laughs) I mean, mean, it's kind of like, but there are the big ones. I mean, the Pornhub is pretty much known by everybody. You just can't not know it. The people who run Pornhub leave comments. The, their Twitters, they're always commenting, essentially marketing their brand. But, I mean, this goes back a long way. I would even be surprised if Pornhub paid New York Post to post this article or to write something like this. I mean, think about it. Bank bros, of all people tried to buy the Miami Heat arena. They tried to buy the rights to that. Can you imagine saying, oh, where are you going to, uh, you know, where are you going to cover the game? I'm going to Bang Bros Arena. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to the bank tank. (laughs) There should should really be one in San Francisco, and they should really have named Oracle Splash Bros. That could be taken a couple different ways. <laughs> uh, Oracle Arena already was pretty close if you just took out a couple letters. Uh, yeah. 
there's uh <laughs> yeah there's you see i mean there there's ways around it how many people have met on a porn porn hub site or just a porn site through the comments section that's one that's one of those universal that's like that's that's almost like a more adult how many licks does it take to get to the center of a of a tootsie pop how many people have found love on a porn site through the comment now, section? Okay, so if you go online, Tom, to like pro football talk, for example, um, or take any sports site, the comment sections are just ridiculous. People just saying stupid, outlandish stuff and, you know, like typical sports fans. Do the comment sections on these porn sites, do they have like no pun intended again. I'm sorry. Do they have like hot takes on there of, of, of uh, <laughs> opinions of these videos and such? Like, uh, that's not elite, you know, or it's not elite. That's that's what I call the best pornos. Man, yeah, that one I watched the other night was elite. Um, here, here you go. Not, a, not, a, not, uh, not championship worthy, you know. <laughs> right, that that didn't make me switch for Master Sunday. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, here's here's one from uh, Cosmo. We'll just continue. Uh, you know, we, we a couple of weeks ago feels almost like the last time I was on, even though it wasn't. Uh, we talked about sex toys. Now we're talking about Pornhub. Well, this comes from Cosmo. We'll add to it about people commenting on porn 22 times Pornhub comments were unexpectedly wonderful jones first one when you could get some last minute homework help and this guy f underscore taylor says does anyone know how to do tangent lines this guy says find y coordinate by plugging the given x point into your original equation uh when your pasta problems could be finally solved can someone please help me make a nice lasagna for my niece's seventh birthday? I can't get my noodles to stop sticking together. This guy responds, olive oil in the water is your key. Um, there, I mean, see, they even, they, they, here you go, Jones, you're talking about elite, them commenting or being critical on the actual video. There was a doctor patient role play one it appears because they have a they have like a screenshot and the guy says the stethoscope isn't even in his ears and the captions when obvious plot holes were pointed out uh jones they're so i mean this is this is a common theme it seems to be um when people had questions they needed answered referencing the video did they ever get the pizza um you know oh man I mean there's so many the last one this one's pretty funny talking about I guess the girl doing laundry in the video so we're just going to ignore the fact that she really put colors and whites together Uh, I mean (laughs) Jones you can point out the plot holes you can ask you know math questions and you can even retire and say you found true love yeah oh there's a lot you can do multifaceted website it won't be long and dave portnoy will be having pizza reviews on there 
<laughs> one bite, everyone knows the rules. Right. That's that's the way. Jones, you can even find pirated movies on there. And that's not from my experience. <laughs> Let me just clarify. There are actual people that put on this specifically Reddit. They say, well, you know, instead of watching this movie in theaters, since all these other pirated websites that you can find movies on are tracked to, you know, for copyright infringement, a lot of the time, the last place that you would look for a pirated movie, not a pornographic movie, would be on Pornhub. So they put them on there so you can watch them on there. I um, mean, you'll get an eyeful of everything else, but don't have an HBO subscription. Yeah, you can watch. Yeah, you can watch a weird. Yeah, you can watch a weird version of Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's the version I want to watch, but yeah, there's a. I'm sure there's a version out there. As a disclaimer, uh, we're we're not uh, encouraging uh, the the Pornhub use. Uh, you know, let, let's we'll, we'll get that not, out. Not not until they sponsor the show. <laughs> Good. And the and the moment they do, we will be a pro Pornhub podcast. But until then, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy's gonna get me in so much trouble. We, we better get out of here before I say anything else. Um, subscribe to the show. Miracle Whip. Yeah. Subscribe to the show. Uh, if you've gotten to this point, you had to love what you were listening. Uh, so give it five stars. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, follow us on social media. Follow my verified Twitter account. It'll be the best thing that you do all day, all week. You know who's, all, you know who's also verified on Twitter? Who's that? Pornhub. Are they? Okay. Don't follow them. Follow me. At Tyler Jones Live. <laughs> At Thomas underscore Bridges, not verified. Uh, Very true. Not yet. At TJ Media Group, not ever. Um, Facebook.com, plus Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live. And uh, it's Thomas. You can find us there. And Thomas, good to have you back. Uh, glad you are all well and better. And uh, back on the saddle again on the Jones Sport. Usually we don't know our guests ahead of time uh, for the, the week ahead. But I'll tell you, coming up on next week's show, a tease for next week, uh, longtime friend of the show for, you know, we're, we're coming up. This is the 10-year anniversary of the show when we started this guy's probably been on with us probably on and off for eight or nine years of that run. Uh, NFL draft analyst Benjamin Albright is going to be here. Tom said that he could only take so many mock drafts. And so we'll get all those out of our system next week when, when Ben Albright stops by. So I'm looking forward to that, Tom. Will be. It's, uh, I feel like it's been a while since we heard of old, heard from old Ben. Yeah. So – Get those mock drafts ready, Tom. We'll, we'll need them all next week. When, uh, when there won't be any Rams picks. <laughs> there will not be. Um, but until then, for Thomas Bridges, big thanks to Coach Bo for joining us for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by our counter-advisory group. Sean Goodwin making his debut on the show. Uh, we've had a lot of people make their debut as a play. I love getting new people in on this show. 
And we're going to continue to have some new guests throughout this year as well. So uh, for everybody, our entire crew of Tyler Jones, thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.